I am harmless phosphorescence. Hello, everyone. This is Throw Smiley, and I don't want to see this podcast on your MySpace page later. I'm Josh CC, and we built this to shut the hippies up. I'm Brian Lesh, and I'm here to tell you about the dangers of in-flight icing. Uh, I'm Allard Weber, and I came unprepared with a, a, a tagline. Um, I'm, I'm the most famous mass murderer in the history of history. <laughs> you are, Alan. This is <laughs> harmless phosphorescence. It's the podcast where we watch every theatrically released full-length live-action superhero movie ever made. We gather some research into the production and the source material, then we tell you all about it. This show is brought to you by our patrons. Patrons like executive producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. Hey, guys, how's it going? Um, you, you too, gentle listener and watcher, can be a patron too. Just over, head over to patreon.com slash harmlessentertainment. We got lots of bonus content there. We've got Star Wars podcasts, ones about music. We've got uh, ones that are non-superhero movie ones. We do those every month. Uh, later this month, we're going to be doing one on Boba Hotep. So stay yeah. tuned for that. Um, and uh, you may have noticed me mentioning, uh, viewers, we are live streaming this now. Every week as we record, we will live stream the recording on YouTube. Just uh, search for us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Um, and this week, everybody, we are watching Iron Man. No one's allowed to talk, is that it? You can't talk? No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. <laughs> is it better to be feared or respected? I say. Too much to ask for both. I humbly present the Jericho. To peace. Tony Stark. Now you work for me. What are you building, Stark? Are red. Your tears for your long lost boss? Tears of joy. I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, will you? What happened over there? I have my eyes open. I want to protect the people. I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can rule all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. So the upgrade is complete. Tell you what, throw a little hot rod red in there. Damn. Good luck keeping up. What's going on here? Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. Iron Man! Woo! Released! Uh, that was exciting when it yeah, came I out. I love the trailer as much as I love the movie. It's a really good trailer. Yeah. yeah um, it's it definitely... Exciting. Definitely is. Um, yeah, and the use of Iron Man at the end there with the shot of him walking away from the explosion. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, it was released May 2nd, 2008. It has a running time of 126 minutes. It cost $140 million to make. And it took in $585 million at the box office. Big hit. <laughs> um, it was, more importantly... The beginning of the MCU. We finally made it, guys. We made it to the MCU. Yes. Wow. 
Our yeah. our seventy third movie. Um, what, a wow. way to, what a what a way to start. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What a movie. Um, and uh, well, we'll get to that. But it was brilliant for uh, Kevin Feige and Favreau. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bold choices, and it it killed. God. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Mm-hmm. Like just. Yeah, it was. I was just blown away. I haven't watched it in probably five or six years, and it just blew me away again. So good. Yeah, this is one that yeah, I watch all the time. <laughs> Still, it's surprising. Like I, I've probably seen this two or three times before, and to watch it in full again, it was just still so good. Yeah, yeah. It it really holds up. Um, and it's I I'd, I'd forgotten how much they do initially set up the MCU in this movie. Like in my memory, that was something they kind of tagged on a little bit, like just as a teaser, but no, it was really set up. Yeah. There are even side characters and everything. But Thoreau, um, I think you mentioned the box office. So does that mean it's time for the box office top 10? It is, Al. It's time to play the box office top 10. Al gets no points for being pushy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just wanted to say it for once. You got it, Al. (laughs) It's it's Al's time to shine. Um, This is the box office top 10. It's the game where we uh, count down the top 10 movies of May 2nd, 2008. Um, The guys try to guess what movie I'm describing when I describe it using only the box office mojo description, uh, leaving out any uh, proper nouns, which I may need to do in order to keep it secret. Um, Normally, I have the guys guess where this opened. Guys... All together now, where did this open? Number one. Yeah, so we're going to forego that. Number one. (laughs) Number one. Number one. We're going to forego that this week, and we'll just jump straight into counting down the top ten. We ready, fellas? Uh Uh-huh. This is the number ten movie of the week of May 2nd, 2008. On the day that a serial killer that he helped put away is supposed to be executed, a noted forensic psychologist and college professor receives a call informing him that he has a limited amount of time left to live. That he does? Yeah. The lawyer? That, yeah. Or the noted forensic psychologist has a limited oh. amount of time to live. This stars Al Pacino. Huh. If I remember, I vaguely, vaguely remember this movie, like super vaguely. And if I remember, he's like in full on like, ah, form, Pacino mode. <laughs> um, the, Pacino, Pacino's the psychologist? Yes. Yeah. Pacino wow. plays the psychologist. Um, the forensic was- forensic psychologist. With the, um, So the, uh, all right, I'll give you guys a hint. The title is just the amount of time he has left to live. How long does Pacino have to live, guys? <laughs> Uh, 48 hours. Josh says 48 hours. What'd you say, Al? 90 minutes. Al says 90 minutes. Brian? One week. Since I looked at you, (laughs) tossed your head to the side and said I'm angry. Um, The answer is 88 minutes. Al is the closest. So he gets 88 points. That is another one. You went over. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. Over. You aren't Sorry, supposed to go yeah, over. Everyone else did, too. Yeah, everyone else yeah. went way over. Um, yeah, just, eight, 88 I'm minutes. Always, I'm always curious as to when the clock starts. Does it, does it start when the character becomes aware? 
Or if it's like, shit, yeah, maybe eight minutes, so. we're already like, 20 minutes down. you <laughs> like, well, I tried calling. Yeah, I tried calling you, but you didn't pick up. You get a phone call, and it's just like, boom. That's why it's 88 minutes, because Pacino didn't pick up for two minutes. It was 90 <laughs> to begin with, and Pacino <laughs> wasted two minutes. Now. Yeah, screening his yeah, calls. Yeah, if, like, if that's shot like 24, where it's like... Real, you know, like real time, minute by minute. Oh, yeah, 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 I bet there's like a countdown because that's just the right amount of time for a movie, 88 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I bet it's in real time for sure. Um, so coming in at number nine. Um, oh, this was on last time when we talked about superhero movie. Um, this is another number one. Can you guys remember one week ago when we discussed a movie whose name was a number? I remember what I had for breakfast. It's about like cards. Oh, 21? oh, 21. 21. Everybody gets... So you all three guessed almost simultaneously. So uh, everybody gets 63 points for all three of those 21s. That's mad. I'd like, I'd like to split those cards, please. <laughs> Double down. Uh, uh, number eight. Donna's senior dance is supposed to be the best night of her life, though a sadistic killer from her past has different plans for her and her friends. <laughs> He's going to take them out to, like, uh, Red Lobster. Well, it escalated quickly. The first sentence sounds like a teen comedy, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> I guess not. A killer from her past, and this is like a high school dance, so it's another high school student that's trying to kill her, I assume? Maybe it's like a granddad friend. killer from her past. From her past, she's 17 years old. Yeah. Like, the kid who moved away in third grade, she's like, I can't remember his name, but he's always trying to kill me. He ate a lot of paste. He's my arch enemy. Yeah. He's my arch enemy. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. Uh, This is a remake? It's a remake of a famous film. Prom Night? Yeah. The Prom Night remake. I never saw that Uh, one. There's... There's a killer from my past. <laughs> Don't you mean a guy who's killed? <laughs> like, yes. Before? Before. And will again. Um, I love that. Because we all meet killers that don't kill us, but we know they're killers. Oh, sure. Uh, coming in at number seven this week, a young girl inhabits an isolated island with her scientist father and communicates with the reclusive author of the novel she's reading. Sounds uh, kind of interesting. It's, it's meta. It's got Jodie Foster, uh, Amber Breslin, <laughs> huh. and I can't read the last name on the tiny thumbnail. The Island of <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Murrow. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Island of Thoreau's made-up movies. Ooh, yeah, that's. That island, it is. It's popular with me anyways. Um, I spend a lot of time there. Mostly they're prequels to the Star Wars trilogy that don't exist. (laughs) Ask Jude. Every once in a while I'm like, okay, so imagine this. If if, if Anakin had just started at 17, he's like, Dad, enough, enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's uh, Nim's Island. Oh, I've heard of that. Is is it like Nim, like the secret of Nim? Nim? There's no or... H. There's no H. Okay. Yeah. So it's right. it's like the West Hampton Nim. Unrelated. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, coming in at number six this week, uh, a discovery made by a kung fu obsessed American teen sends him on an adventure to China, where he joins up with a band of martial arts warriors in order to free the imprisoned Monkey King and go to jail for 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 <laughs> mentioning Tiananmen Square. <laughs> Kung mm. Pao chicken. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like Kung Pao under the fist. It but does. serious. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's called The Forbidden Kingdom. Huh. I don't remember it at all. Uh, coming in, number five this week, uh, the week of May 2nd, 2008, a devastated man takes a vacation in order to deal with the recent breakup of his TV star girlfriend. Little does he know, she's traveling to the same resort as... Her ex, and she's bringing along her new boyfriend. This is the one with the vampire oh. musical in it in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, oh. I, I um, this movie's awesome. Forgetting, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that movie. Yeah. And I will forget to give Josh any points for that. Fair. Uh, That's I one of the. Ag- say, it's the one with his penis shot. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, well, and uh, what's his face? <laughs> yeah, that's a- um, they made the sequel oh, to Brand. Russell Brand. Yeah, and he plays a character yeah. that they make a sequel about or like a yeah. a spinoff. Yeah. Really? Aldous, Aldous Snow, and then they made Get Him to the Greek. Which, yeah, yeah, is, is a time, and that's a pretty good movie too. It's yeah. decent. Interesting. I wasn't aware of that. This yeah. is one of the few movies that does Hawaii like really well. Like mm. it does a good job of yeah. like, capturing the culture without like like an Adam Sandler version. You know. But the um, the bartender, the big black guy, who just he names like almost every fish, like for each letter of the alphabet or whatever. Yeah. Like what's, what's the national fish of Hawaii? And he just does the whole. Ooh, 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 ooh. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. Or the trigger I fish. Never, I never saw this movie. It's a good movie. It's good. You should watch it, Al. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number four, uh, after being mistaken for terrorists and thrown into Guantanamo Bay. A couple stoners escape and return to the U.S. where they proceed to flee across the country with federal agents in hot pursuit. This is like Harold Return to White Castle. Yeah, what was that one? Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> um, and what this base was in the Obama administration. Like, that's oh, hilarious. Cal Penn. Yeah, he, yeah. he was, oh yeah, that's right, yeah. He was like a youth advisor. Like, youth that's advisor. right. Oh, Cal Penn. Yeah. Um, Harold and Kamar go to White Castle holds up really well, by the way. It's still the first hilarious. One, yeah. 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 Um, coming in at number three. Oh, I forgot about this movie. Oh, my God. Um, a successful single businesswoman who dreams of having a baby discovers she is infertile and hires a working class woman to be her unlikely su- surrogate. Oh, is this Tina I know baby? this one. Yeah, Tina Fey. Yeah, it is. It's baby mama. It is baby mama. Yeah. yeah. Our two, our two lovely SNL ladies. Um, and opening this week at number two, a guy in love with an engaged woman tries to win her over after she asks him to be her maid of honor. Holy shit. Is this like man of honor or it's, something? <laughs> it stars Patrick Dempsey. Wow, he was still making movies in two... Oh, he's wow. fresh off being McDreamy or whatever Mick he was from Chicago Anatomy. Great. I don't know what Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. I don't know what <laughs> what movie Grey's that was. Or his, what it's called Maid of Honor. M A D E. 
Ugh, that looks awful. And number one this week, after being held captive in an Afghan cave, billionaire engineer Tony Stark creates a unique weaponized suit of armor to fight evil. And that movie is Made of Honor 2. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is our box office top 10 this week. That brings us to the rich comic book history of Iron Man, Al Weber. Will you please tell us a little bit about that? I will. I just want to mention that we breezed through the uh, the top 10 like really fast, a little faster than normal. Thoreau, you're talking to, like double speed. <laughs> you're just moving at half time, Al. Oh, am I? Yeah, that that could very well be. I, I have time is relative. I've, so I've had very little. I've had very little sleep. Um. So there's a. <laughs> like I said, Jude made me watch. We could be heroes, the sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a character in there who is moving so fast that he reversed time in his own little personal bubble. So he's in slow motion. His name is Slow Mo. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that's hmm. the situation we're dealing with right now. I see. Yeah. So I, I'm slow-mo. Or possibly Shlo- I am. Okay. Shlomo. 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 All right. So uh, the comics. Uh, Iron Man, a.k.a. Tony Stark. Um, full name, Anthony Edward Stark. First mm-hmm. appeared in Tales of Suspense number 39, March of 1963. In September of the same year, Iron Man would be a founding member of the Avengers alongside Thor, Ant-Man, Wasp, and the Hulk. The character I wish, was... Oh, I wish Wasp was just a guy who wore Dockers and, and had a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> it's my right. Voted, it's an American. Voted Republican all the time. All the time. Uh-huh. Uh, the character was created by Stan Lee, uh, scripter Larry Lieber, and artists Don Heck and Jack Kirby. Mm. Iron Man would receive his own title book in May of 1968, titled The Invincible Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah, Stan Lee loved to give them an adjective. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk. The Indeed. Invincible Spy- the Invincible Iron Man. Yeah. I forgot which one we were talking about. Uh, Anthony Edwards Stark was a wealthy American business magnate, playboy, philanthropist, and philanderer, philanderer, uh, (laughs) inventor, and scientist. Uh, The Tony Stark character was essentially a non-crazy Howard Hughes with a healthy sprinkling of Errol Flynn. Mm -hmm. I would say, if, if it hadn't been admitted publicly, Bruce Wayne as well. (laughs) <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some elements uh, there. No, he's that, a totally he's better at it than Bruce, but yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Stark suffers a severe chest injury during a kidnapping in Vietnam. His, the original in, was Vietnam. In, in Vietnam, originally. Yeah. Um, uh, and his captors attempt to force him to build a weapon of mass destruction, but he instead builds a mechanized suit of armor to escape. The original suit was a bulky gray thing, 
mm -hmm. uh, replaced by a golden version in the second story. The sleeker red and gold armor premiered in Tales of Suspense number 48, December of 1963, so that same year. Oh, wow, that early. Yeah, um, and that was designed by Steve Ditko. Yes. That's the classic Buckethead-looking armor, right? What's that? The, it's like the classic the, bucket. The, the red and gold? Yeah. And it had the pointy yeah. things sort of at the top. Yeah. Wolverine shaped like pointy. Um oh yeah, that's right. The the gold thing yeah. kind of extended up a little bit. Right. Little horns. That was a brilliant um switch up because original Iron Man, the bulky steel just didn't it wasn't appealing for I think from a little kid point of view. But then the the yellow and red just boom shot him right up there. Yeah, totally. Um they, they they really Steve Ditko really slicked up the uh, the armor he experience did. for all of us. <laughs> he really did. Um, early Iron Man stories focused on the role of industry in the Cold War struggle against communism. Um, other themes explored included uh, entrepreneurial autonomy. Government supervision of scientific research, Tony Stark's alcoholism, mm. and unregulated sexuality as a form of authenticity. Whoa. I should have used that in art class. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I should have used unregulated sexuality in a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want it regulated. Yeah. Some guy with a clipboard standing in there. So uh Tony Stark, he's just uh he's pretty much just a regular guy um with a genius level intellect. Yep. Um, but his armored suit endows him with superhuman strength, speed, agility, and senses. The suit is capable of supersonic flight is equipped with energy repulsors and missiles, as well as a regenerative life support system. Regenerative. Hmm. Regenerative. Yeah, like dove soap or, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Like, constantly. <laughs> Rejuvenating. Stark's cover story was that Iron Man was his bodyguard a cover that he would use until July of 2002 when he publicly revealed his dual identity. Wow. That's a so, long time. Uh, yeah, how long is that? That's like uh, 39 years. Wow. Um, in subsequent years, Stark would serve as the U.S. Secretary of Defense and as the Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, um, that was uh, Tony's uh, backstory. was a little more cut and dry than I thought. There were a lot of details I left out because um, there's a lot that goes on with Iron Man over the years, but that's, uh, that's the nitty-gritty. Uh, moving on to Virginia Pepper Potts. Her first name is Virginia. Who knew? 
Yeah. <laughs> Somebody Everyone did. that knew. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that knew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> created by Stan Lee, Robert Bernstein, and Don Heck. Um, Pepper first appeared in Tales of Suspense number 45, September of 1963, six issues after Iron Man's first appearance. Um, originally a brunette, she was changed to a red te- changed to a redhead in Tales of Suspense number 50. Um, part of the secretarial pool, Pepper is promoted to Tony's personal secretary after fixing an accounting error perpetrated by Stark himself. Initially infatuated with Tony Stark, Pepper eventually falls in love with and marries Harold Joseph Happy Hogan, uh, Tony's assistant and chauffeur. The couple adopt children after failing to conceive a child of their own. That's uh, Happy and Pepper? Yeah, Happy and Pepper. They, uh, they were a thing. And uh, they adopted kiddos. Wow. Uh, post-2008, so that's after this movie, um, Pepper would become a superhero herself under the monikers of Hera and then Rescue. Um, after receiving injuries similar to Tony's and an armor suit similar to that of Iron Man. Wait, so she had an arc reactor installed into her chest too? Uh, <laughs> no, well, uh, she had like a it was a chest plate. Um, that was uh, that was a thing. The the arc reactor, like the the thing. I think that was unique to the movie. The the cylinder drilled oh, yeah, into inside the him. chest. I think um, she just had to wear a magnetic chest plate. Um, and Iron Man as well. Yeah, uh, he, Tony there Stark. always was. Well, I mean, his arc reactor there was was, was in his chest because of the shrapnel. So it doesn't yeah, need he, to be in the chest. Well, I'm just saying, because if she had a similar injury, I wonder if that was how it was. Mm. Um, yeah, she, mm. she, had a, she had a shrapnel injury, but the, the, the comics, the, the movie differed a little from the comics. As far as physicality of the thing that they had to wear. Okay. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, Obadiah Stane. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think he might be a bad guy? He, yeah, he, he just might. <laughs> like Doctor um, Doom. Like yeah. we have an appointment with Doctor Doom. Really? <laughs> he sounds a little. He's my ophthalmologist. <laughs> Obadiah Stane first appeared in Iron Man number one hundred sixty-three, October of nineteen eighty-two. He was created by writer Dennis O'Neill and artist Luke McDonald. And uh, this, uh, when I was doing this bio, is when I was like, okay, this is cuckoo bananas. Um, <laughs> as a child, Obadiah witnessed his father shoot himself playing Russian roulette causing Obadiah to go bald and become a ruthless manipulator, studying and exploiting the weakness of his adversaries. <laughs> causing him to go He's bald. Like, all I wanted to do was play Kit. Like, immediately, <laughs> just all the hair just shot out of his head. And then he became he, evil. 
when you saw his dad Naturally. shoot himself. So As were they both playing or, or oh. dad was like, hey, watch this? I think it was the latter. Yeah. Just, hey, son. <laughs> you want to watch us play Russian roulette? I I guess. Uh, his dad was like a a, 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 a gambler. No doubt. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, you're gambling when you play Russian roulette. Oh, you're you're always gambling when you play Russian roulette. But he was he was a notorious gambler, and he thought he was on a lucky streak. And he was like, <laughs> okay, Russian roulette seems like the obvious choice. Yeah, a uh, winning streak sort of ends once you leave the card table. <laughs> you don't get to keep it for the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as an adult, Obadiah became the president and CEO of his own company, Stain. With Blackjack and Hookers? <laughs> <laughs> Stain. Stain International. Stain International. They're a dry cleaning company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will destroy you with martinizing. <laughs> um, and he went into business with Howard Stark of Stark International. Um, there was a... I, <laughs> and you combine their two names to make Stain. Stain, stain plus Stark. Stark. Stark, <laughs> Stark and Stain. You add Stark the first Kane. part of Stark and the last part of Stain. And you get stained. You get stained. Um, I I noted that um, the the com- Stark's company um uh, went under the names of over the years Stark Industries, Stark International, Stark Innovations, Stark Enterprises, and Stark Resilient. Ooh, <laughs> looking up in the world. That's got like a Trump vibe to it. Yeah. And of course, uh, uh, so. s- their and of course their 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 food division, Stark Olay. Um after Howard Stark's fatal car accident, Obadiah set his sights on acquiring Stark International, now owned by Tony. Uh, Tony relapses into alcoholism due to Stain's assaults on his friends and company. Is this this is the 1980s uh, Demon in a Bottle run, like the famous Demon in a Bottle yeah. run? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, you are correct. Um, <laughs> ten points to Gryffindor. Ten, <laughs> ten points to Thorodor. Yes, I finally got some points. Thorodor. Um. With Shield's help, with Shield's help, <laughs> Stain Stain buys out Stark International, and Tony gives his Iron Man armor to his confidant James Rhodes, while Tony himself disappears to become a homeless vagrant. It's like, mm. eh, I'm done being a billionaire. I'm going to be a homeless vagrant. Yeah. I like polar opposites. Nothing in the middle for me. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm yeah, I'm not going to get like a nice apartment in town and just like <laughs> yeah, or like a cabin in the woods somewhere. Nope, he's just homeless. Homeless vagrant. Just, yeah, just poop on myself. <laughs> Live in a box. <laughs> That's the life for me. <laughs> uh, while Tony is homeless and vagrant. 
Uh, Stain discovers Tony's notes on the Iron Man armor. He has a team of scientists decipher the notes and create the <laughs> Iron Monger armor. His notes. Dear Iron Man, I like your outfit. <laughs> right back. Right or, back. or like in 233, Athens. No, no, these are the notes for history class. <laughs> Dear God, this is me, Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's having his first beauty. You see, when an Iron Man, when an Iron Boy reaches a certain age, they go through some changes and become an Iron Man. <laughs> and then they Iron get an Man Iron Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> um, so Stain creates the Iron Monger armor. Uh, emphasized Iron Monger. Which he plans to sell or duplicate and create an army to take over whatever country he wants. He uses that phrase in this movie. He does. That's why I emphasized it. Because he We're Iron Mongers, Tony. He he didn't emphasize it, but it was there. So uh Tony Stark overcomes his alcoholism and recovers from homelessness. Creating (laughs) Creating a new company they go back to the Cert- fucking bank? Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> he just decided to stop being homeless is what happened. Um, he still had all I that got the money. Homeless, got the homeless vaccine. Now I've got a house. There, there was a pregnant woman involved that Tony didn't get pregnant. It was not his kid. <laughs> but there's a, he helped save a pregnant woman. And he's like, oh, I need to stop being alcoholic and all like, I miss this I miss saving people all like Tony Stark is not my lover yeah um so he <laughs> creates a house party at 4 a.m and Iron Man's on the couch and he's pissed himself and he's just hammered <laughs> oh it's just the piss stain on the armor <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Tony the metal suit he's seeping through the the seams anyway oh it's processed in the thigh pads Oh yeah, there we. Go. <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Uh, he creates a new company, Circuits Mac- Maximus. Cir- Circus Maximus, not Circuit City, not Circuit City, or Circus Maximus um, with James Rhodes and a couple of other guys that, that were twins. Uh, I didn't write them down. <laughs> I, I didn't recognize the name. I didn't recognize the, the name. Winklevoss um, twins. <laughs> Uh, the something something twins um they build a new prototype armor similar to the original model then they construct the advanced silver centurion armor after a series of supporting character confrontations stain dons the ironmonger armor himself to confront tony who is wearing the silver centurion suit Finding himself outmatched by Tony's new armor, Stain, refusing to be arrested and humiliated, disintegrates his own head with Ironmonger's repulsor ray. Whoa. Wow. Like his dear old dad. Whoa, you're like his dear old dad. Yes. Playing helmet roulette. (laughs) But he was pretty sure. You would think there would be some sort of safety mechanism to where you could not kill yourself with your Iron Man armor. Because there's a lot of ways to kill stuff with an Iron Man suit. Oh, like, yeah. You just can't point totally. it at your head and shoot it. Like, sure. like, like the robot yeah. suit would like move your 
neck out of the way. Well, yeah, because you know, yeah. there's a lot of hand. there's a lot of times you could accidentally have the palm of your hand facing towards your head. Yeah, like yeah, that's that seems like a big oversight. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm moving into the lightning round. All right, because uh, we because we had a lot of characters. Um, um, we'll probably talk about James Rhodes uh, at some other point in greater length, but uh, James Rhodes, uh, James Rupert Rhodey Rhodes, first appeared in Iron Man number 118, January of 1979. Uh, he's going to be War Machine someday. 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 Someday, kid. Sorry, Terrence. Yeah, Terrence, uh, Terrence Howard will never be War Machine. I'm I'm sad about that because I liked Terrence Howard. I I yeah. I like uh what's his what's his name? I prefer um, Don Cheadle. I prefer I, Don I, I like John Don Cheadle too. I guess I prefer Don Cheadle if I was gonna rank them, but I feel like Terrence, Terrence Howard's Howard. It's got a weird vibe in this movie, honestly. Okay. Yeah. All right. It doesn't have a sense of humor that matches Tony's, but Don Cheadle does. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Okay. Uh, Ho Yin Sen. Uh, he's the engineer who helped Tony escape imprisonment in the first Iron Man story, 1963. Um, he was Vietnamese because in 1963, Tony was captured in Vietnam. <laughs> that's who he hated then. <laughs> yeah interesting that they kept the name uh jarvis into jensen yeah huh yeah. oh they just dropped the hoe yeah well what? and dropped the <laughs> they put like sometimes they put, drop that hoe because i think it was hyphenated right well it sounds like yeah Yinsen would be a hyphenated name now well it's just one word they so. called him ho yensen in this like he's it sounded vaguely semitic i think yeah um yeah uh Ho was was the first name. Yinsen yeah. was, or maybe Ho was uh, the surname. I, you know, I, whatever. Um, Jarvis first appeared in Tales of Suspense number fifty nine, November of nineteen sixty four. Uh, he was a household butler of the Stark family. This movie is his first appearance as an artificial intelligence. Uh, the acronym is just a rather very intelligent system. Huh. Uh, um, one thing that uh, I always thought was odd is that um, in Endgame, we see Jarvis, the butler. He's, you know, getting Howard in the limo. Yeah. Like, do you recognize that guy? Yada, yada. And he sounded close to Paul Bettany, but I don't know why Paul Bettany didn't play the oh, human Jarvis. Uh, Edwin Jarvis, the character, that actor played Edwin Jarvis in the Agent Carter TV series that had Howard Stark in it. So that's that was a okay. Yeah, that would be crossover. harder to get yeah. all for. Well, yeah, well, stuff. yeah, and Tony's Tony's household in universe Tony's household system's voice was wasn't based on Jarvis's voice. It was just kind of named after him. Yeah. Well, and honestly, it may have been based on his voice also, because it's just a British guy. Well, yeah. Okay, there's that, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the show, he has a lot of stuff that he does with Agent Carter. He gets into all kinds of hijinks. It's very fun. Yeah. Jarvis is pretty cool in uh, Agent Carter. Yeah. 
Well, even in this, they did the Butler character brilliantly, you know, that it yeah. was this computer and AI. It wasn't like the one from Spider-Man 3 we saw who oh, doesn't remember anything. <laughs> yeah. And then like Alfred even, and you know, th- that trope was used well. No, I loved I loved how much of a character Jarvis was in this, despite not actually mm-hmm. being a character. Well, and they, there's good reason that they cast Paul Bettany to do the voice. I think that they saw that being a direction that they wanted to head mm-hmm. in incorporating him further into the movies which john favreau did such a good job that there are even great interactions between tony and a mechanical arm yeah Yeah. (laughs) and even back then people were speculating that dummy would become ultron Ultron. which is funny to me to think back on this this era of marvel being like wow people were seeing outlets for it you know they were writing them in too yeah, it was this little buddy comedy, a comedy moment that they had the arm and Tony. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's in every movie. He's in every Iron Man movie. That same robot. Right. It is actually a character. It's weird to think. Not even halfway through the lightning round. All right, let's um, get lightning. Christine Everhart. Uh, in the comics, she was a reporter for the Daily Bugle, not Vanity Fair. Um, Harold Happy Hogan. First appeared in Tales of Suspense number 45, September of 63. Um, he's going to get more airtime in later movies, so we'll talk mm-hmm. about him later. Well, he uh, was- Nick Fury showed up. Uh, Spoilers. The, the, the tale, tale, tale end. Uh, first appeared, Nick Fury in the comics, he first appeared in Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos number one, May of 1963. That was uh, May, May, that was uh, just uh, two months after Iron Man first appeared. Um, Mm. I found out he was portrayed by David Hasselhoff in a Fox TV movie in 1998. Yes. And modeled after Hasselhoff in the 80s. Yes. And, and, And when we get through all of our superhero movies and are done, like with, with, uh, We'll eventually be getting to that we're one. We're going to do it. Assuming, we're do it. assuming we continue yeah. doing this eventually, we're going to be getting to all those terrible TV movies. We got some Hulk ones, those Captain America. Hulk ones, yeah. Yes, Hulk ones. Similar to the Hasselhoff awesome. depiction, they, they did the same thing with Samuel L. Jackson. He was designed to look like Samuel L. Jackson. So when they, yes. promote, when oh, they yeah. approached him, Samuel L. Jackson, I, I forget the exact quote, but he's like, yeah, he looks like me. I made him look like me. Yeah, I'll do it, obviously. Mm-hmm. In 2002, the character was re-envisioned in the likeness of Samuel Jackson for the Marvel Ultimate series. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it clearly, it's like, hey, we drew this guy to look like you. You want to play this guy? Fuck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's the obvious choice. Yeah. Um, Phil Coulson. Yes. Philip J. Coulson. Yeah. Phil motherfucking Coulson. Um, this was his first appearance ever right here. Um, he did not exist in comics before this. Um, his first name was agent in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. He yeah. wasn't Phil. He, he wasn't Phil yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. Uh, I love at least him. At least. Uh, he he will appear in several movies to come. Uh, 
seven seasons of Agents of Shield. Um, he dates Aunt May in the animated Ultimate Spider-Man, and, voiced voiced by Clark Gregg. Um, and he's and the it, principal of Peter's high school at that same time. Yes, that's right. He, uh, <laughs> he is the principal of the the high school. Um, he would be introduced into Marvel Comics uh, in 2012, four years after this. Yeah. Um, just because he was such a great character. They just, uh-huh. they just built on him. He, he was yeah. like a fan-demanded character. It's yeah. just really interesting to I, see that happen. Totally. I, his arc is amazing. Yeah. Um, through Avengers and then um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I fell off a couple seasons into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, but he was great in it. He, yeah, there are many, yeah. many iterations of the character, and yeah, they, they do a lot with him. They explore all kinds of shit. I wanted to end on Phil Coulson, but uh, there was one that I forgot. It's short. Raza. Um, he's the, uh, the terrorist guy. Um, he's the the first villain introduced into the MCU. Um, uh, oh, he was introduced just a little bit before Obadiah Stane. Um, he's the leader of the mm-hmm. Ten Rings terrorist organization. And Raza himself would be introduced into comic in 2010. Oh, okay. Oh. So he was from this film. Yes. He was Interesting. From this film. Yeah. All right. Um, I have one more. Yeah, sure. Oh. Um, one of the scientists, when Obadiah is coming to get like some progress reports from all the scientists in the lab, uh, Peter Billingsley, who's a good friend of Favreau's. He's Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Yeah. So we've seen him lots of times. Anyways, the um I don't I can't remember the name, but I looked on IMDb. That character with that name shows up in Spider-Man Far From Home. He's one of the huh. techies helping M- Mysterio out. Oh. Wow. Huh. Oh. Same 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 scientist, the same name. So, it took him a while oh, okay. to come back, but he was there. See, that's, that's pretty cool. God. God, yeah. Okay, MCU, man. All right, thank you, <laughs> guys. Um, that brings us to the film itself. Um, Iron Man. Um, originally, in April 1990, um, Universal Studios bought the rights to develop Iron Man. That's the first time screen rights were bought to develop Iron Man. No one had interest in this until 1990. Um, he was a C-list character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I uh, never was a fan. He wasn't well. Never. Yeah, he was C list. He was not uh, big, big uh, in the comics universe. Um, so uh, that was originally he was going to be made by Stuart Gordon uh, to direct a low budget film. Um, he did Reanimator, the Honey I Shrunk the Kids series, um, a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, B horror and sci fi movies. Um, that never got made in 1996. 20th Century Fox got the rights. Um, and Nicolas Cage, surprise, expressed interest in playing Iron Man. Okay. So, has he ever gotten to be a superhero? Because, like, he's wanted to well, since Ghost I've Rider. heard. Ghost Rider. And Ghost Rider. Yeah. Oh, yeah, duh. Ghost Rider and Kick-Ass. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's it, though. Um, none of these ones right. that he's I'm been sure interested he in. Well, and Spider-Man Noir. That's true. That was awesome. I think that's his yeah. best role. That Honestly, 
That was really good. Yeah. It was his best superhero role. Absolutely. Kick-Ass was pretty good. Um, so then in uh, 1998, Tom yeah. Cruise came on board. Tom Cruise was going to be Tony Stark. Um, I don't love it, but I can see how it would work, especially in the 90s. Yeah. Not funny I, enough. No. I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to say, so I, I did have a couple of Iron Man comics when I was a kid, and um, um, the, the Tony Stark that they portrayed um, often looked more like a Tom Selleck character. Yeah. Than, yeah. and say, a Robert Downey. Like Jr. a Clark Gable, yeah. Tom Selleck kind of like smooth. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely- Tony had a mustache for you know early and and a volleyball player body yeah yeah Absolutely. and he was tall he was like a traditional like leading man looking guy um, is a volleyball player body a male body type yes i mean if you if anybody saw top gun that's uh anthony edwards and tom cruise for sure <laughs> take my breath away um yeah so, i'm already sweating um but uh but, but not a downy no, no. Robert Downey Jr. Let, changed, let alone Downey Jr. <laughs> created something himself and redefined yeah. the character um, and made the character what it was far and beyond anything he previously was. Like Tony well, with Stark. With the exception yeah. of that facial hair. Yeah. That was the ultimate's facial hair. That, that <laughs> was definitely the Tony Stark beard and mustache. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. The, so, uh, Thoreau, I'm 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 sorry to to interrupt you, but you were saying that it was uh what years in the '90s was it uh, being under consideration for being made a movie? Uh, 90, around '90 it started. Um, then you know throughout the '90s there were a few things. Um, around '97, '98, cool. Tom Cruise was interested. There, there was a uh, there was an animated series from '94 to '96. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I think that might have been the same animation house that did the X Men. Uh, I think you're you're. Yeah. it looks. I think so. It looks very similar. Yeah. Um. So then, well, and there was an animated show in the '60s too, which we'll get to with the music in this. Oh my god, the music from the animated show was in was incredible. Yeah, there there is <laughs> at least three or four instances where they play the theme song in this movie huh. from the from the '60s show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. I'll stick it in the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, hilarious. Yeah. I, I'm re- I'm resigning. Okay, I resigned from my post. <laughs> um. So, all right. Um. Around turn of the century, um. Jeff Vintner, um, who uh is a screenwriter for um I Robot, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. Ugh. Um, and Stan Lee together uh, co-wrote a story for uh, Fox, um, which Ventner then adapted into a screenplay. Uh, that was um, there was they gave uh, Tony Stark a new origin. It was like a science fiction origin, space rays, and that kind of shit. Um, and then Modok was supposed to be the villain in that. Uh, wow! Yeah. Wow, that's really neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in in late '99, uh, Jeffrey Kane was hired to rewrite that script, and then in October, 20th Century Fox approached Quentin Tarantino to rewrite and direct the film. <laughs> he, he said no. 
Yeah, he's God. good for him. Um, he's all, I got kind of like a, a vision I got going. <laughs> uh, Fox sold the rights he, to... He can drink and curse. He's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson's in it. They could just be dropping N-bombs as much as they want. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so uh, then Fox sold the rights to New Line Cinema. Um saying that they just had too many superheroes and we can't make them all. Basically saying Iron Man's not popular enough and we don't care. It's true. It was very true at that point in time. time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what, <clears throat> sorry, what year was that? Uh, that was in 2000. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then uh, at that point, um, New Line started developing it uh, with a script by uh, Ted Elliott who did uh, Aladdin, Shrek, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Terry Rosario, who was his writing partner, um, and then uh, Tim McAnleys, um, who wrote The Iron Giant and Second and uh, Secondhand Lions. Um, so they they uh, did a pass at it. Um, they came up with the idea of a Nick Fury cameo to set up a Nick Fury film. Um, in two thousand one, New Line entered talks with Joss Whedon to write and direct. Um, That eventually fell through. um, And in 2002, um, they brought in David Hayter, David Goyer, and Mark uh, Protosevich to do a story conference on it. They basically filmed them talking for a few hours about Iron Man. And then they took that um, and uh, uh, had... um, McCanley's uh, start writing a script based on what they talked about for two hours about Iron Man. Um, Hater, uh, David Hater, in 2004 was hired to write the script. Um, uh, and then his uh, script, with, uh, which he did in, with Alfred Goh and Miles Miller, had the Mandarin as the uh, main villain, Pepper Potts as a love interest. Um, then he uh, rewrote that so that Howard Stark became War Machine and was the main antagonist. Weird. Wow. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Um, no, you gotta you gotta kill the dad. To, yeah. Uh, to make a hero. Absolutely right. But like I was gonna say that in my notes. Um, but not heavy heavy handed like the Waynes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's like, car scar accident. Yeah. No, I don't know. But well, he, he lost them unfairly and when he was young and he, he could have a chip on his shoulder is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as we see, as we go through the MCU, he absolutely has a chip on his shoulder about his dad. Uh, yeah. But uh, in 2004, they approached Nick Cassavetes to uh, wow. direct. Um, this deal fell through and the Iron Man film rights, because people just weren't interested enough in making this lapsed back to Marvel. Christmas miracle. Man. And that's yeah. how we got here. In November 2005, Marvel decided that as Marvel Studios, they were going to produce this film all by themselves. This is the first time they ever did that. Wow. And they made what, like 800 million, you said, or 80 million? 500 something, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Good for them. They were like on the verge of collapse. This was yep. on the tail end of creating the Ultimates and all that stuff, which was not wildly successful at the time oh. because people were upset oh. about it because it changed the tone. 
Well, and yeah. all previous attempts had failed to make really high quality of Marvel. You know, that's why the properties were being sold so constantly because Marvel yeah. was running out of money. And yeah, yeah. that's how Spider-Man and uh, Fantastic yeah. Four left. And yeah, they just got sold. Yeah. yeah. They're the two biggest properties that Marvel owned as far as like comic book titles. Right. And right. X-Men. Yeah. And appeal. Um, the, 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 the Hail Mary pass that this movie was is crazy for how um how pop how popular it was and how well it connected um like they they knocked it out of the park and if they hadn't they would have collapsed in on themselves but instead we got the most popular film series of all time yeah if it flopped nobody would have trusted them because you know like we all said it's quite a big risk starting with iron man not the most popular character so if it's if it sucked, people would be like, I'm not seeing another one of those. That you the casting decision for the Robert ca- Downey Jr. itself is the oh, biggest really? risk in this whole movie. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That it casting is. decision. Um. So, all right. Yeah. Um. They, uh, they, in fact, they made several Iron Man animated shorts right before this in order to try to make the public more familiar with Iron Man as a character. Smart. <laughs> do what they yeah. do best. Animate. You know, or not animate, but draw images draw, yeah draw things <laughs> um so all right In succession yeah, yeah. <laughs> very quickly a lot of them very fast sequentially yeah it's just like a comic book that you flip really quickly through <laughs> exactly um so all right uh they hired john favreau in 2006 um another amazing choice yes um, I, what did he directed before this uh, Elf. all right so yeah uh john favreau um, swinging yeah, no he did not swinger. he did not direct swingers yeah. He oh, that's wrote, right. He wrote. He wrote it. Swingers. Um, he is. He directed uh, Made in 2001. That was his first directorial effort. Then Elf, which is a Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. Zathura. Have you guys seen Zathura? That's the Jumanji type sequel, sequel like spinoff. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Dax Shepard's stars in it, which, despite that, it's really good. Um, <laughs> That's he's, okay. Sometimes. He's okay. I don't hate him, but he's yeah, he, he's, he's fine. He's not a great actor. Fine, but <laughs> no, um, he's great. No, no, no. But watching Zathura, I can one hundred percent see how, um, his sensibilities came to Iron Man and like Mandalorian. Like it's very much in those modes of like old school sci fi fun adventure that really connects. Yeah. Okay. And and you never even I feel like I never even heard him when he was starting out ever publicly say that he was, you know, so into geek culture, like comic books and Star Wars. And, you know, like I didn't know that about him, but he has nailed both of those things better than any super fan. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, and, and then I, after I, th- I think when I, I think when Iron Man came out, um, I only knew Favreau from Swingers. Um, and PCU. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and well, yes, and totally. And friends. You me with the Pampers is? What? Yeah, and friends. friends. Yeah. Yeah. He was on that. Like he was also oh, yeah. he was also a clown in a Seinfeld episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. And right. George is asking him if he knows who Bozo the clown is. He's like, no, no. Oh, he was so popular. I don't. He's then finally he snaps and he yells. Why are you hung up on some damn clown from the fifties, man? <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> um, just but so watching, angry in a cloud suit. Watching this movie, it 
it felt so very Favreau. Yeah. From what little I knew of him at the time. At the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We've got a couple sets of uh, screen writers here. Uh, Mark Ferguson, Hawk Otsby, which Hawk Otsby, um, I have to mention because every single podcast I've ever listened to about this movie mentions how awesome that name is. Hawk, <laughs> yeah. Hawk Otsby. Hawk, Hawk Ostby. Hawk, uh, yeah. Hawk Ostby, yes. Um, so they're a screenwriting team. They wrote uh, Children of Men, um, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, they are the creators and executive producers for The Expanse. That's where I recognize his name from. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, so uh, then the other set we've got is Art Markham and Matt Holloway. Um, they also wrote Punisher Warzone, which we'll be getting to here in, uh, I don't know, a couple months, I think. Uh, Transformers, The Last Night, Men in Black International. Um, oh, they uh, have screenwriting credits on, as a team on Morbius and Uncharted, which are both coming out this year. Um, mm-hmm. So cool. despite having two sets of writers, they didn't have a full script that they were ready to work with. So that's part of the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, John Favreau said he basically wanted to come in with this and um, make it like an independent film. Like he, he, he said, if Robert Altman had directed Superman or Batman Begins, um, huh. he, uh, he huh. said he, it's the story of an adult man reinventing himself after discovering the world is far more complex than he originally believed. Which, yeah, yeah. that's this that movie, all right. I remember that, uh, so Elf came before this, right? Yeah. 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 So I remember him talking about uh, working with Will Ferrell on Elf and his improv and mm-hmm. the style of comedy that Will Ferrell did from Anchorman, bringing that Anchorman kind of, look, this is what happens and everything between these two points. I don't know. We'll do 15 takes and something will be best out of that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the direction that he took with this too which is incredible because so many of the Marvel movies since then have had that as this like underlying filmmaking element of like, we're going to kind of improvise. Yeah. Yeah. He just let, he kind of just let the actors go and write the script themselves. Yeah. While being shot. I mean, they They, were literally riffing their way through scenes. Yeah. They had, they had a basic storyline. Right. For the most part. Yeah, and you, and absolutely, there's um, that's that's a large part of the charm of this film, which is yeah. crazy considering um, how how planned out the MCU generally is. Mm-hmm. Um, as, yeah, as there were. Uh, um, yeah, there were remarks and responses and quips from Tony that seemed like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Seemed, like, just, seemed like things he probably says. Like, um, uh, I'll take a scotch. I'm hungry. Yeah. Like, well, I bet he's... <laughs> absolutely. Bet this, he said that. this movie lives and dies on Robert Downey Jr. just being Robert Downey Jr. And that that was such a swing um, at the time. So originally, um, he wanted to cast a newcomer as uh, Tony Stark. Um, then he started... Uh, he approached Sam Rockwell... As Tony Stark, um, and, but then uh, Favreau um, 
sat down with Robert Downey Jr. and they talked about it and Robert Downey Jr. got the uh, got the role. Wasn't um, Timothy Oliphant in the shortlist too? I thought that Oliphant uh, was the like second. That was that's always what I've read is that he was supposed to be if if Robert Downey Jr. fell through, you know, like people mm-hmm. anticipated him too. Um, um, I didn't see that, but that would that sounds. He'd have been a great Iron Man. I yeah, mean, he's the only person besides maybe Sam Rockwell that would have been really weird. Sam Rockwell would have been a different vibe for sure. Yeah, Quirky his wife. Him. His wife is in this. Sam Rockwell's. Oh, that's but, right. She's Christy Everhart. Right? Um, what are you saying? No, uh, Leslie Bibb. The rich, not Les, uh, Yeah, Leslie Bibb. She's the. Reporter, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, Chris so, Everhart, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, okay. Oh, the character's name was. Yeah. But what's interesting is like, um, he wasn't fully into his um, comeback. Robert Downey paralleled Tony Stark's. You know, he got sober. Everybody thought he was a wreck. They couldn't do anything. Got sober. Started working again. Turned out he's awesome. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. I'm sure it was unintentional, but they were going through similar stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So he's um, good. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. gets cast. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Um, got his start uh, in the 80s. He was on Saturday Night Live. People forget about that. Yep. He was on Saturday Night Live a for a season. Member? He was a cast member a cast for one I season of Saturday that. Night Live. Yeah. Wow. And he's never returned. He's so upset with, because um, Lauren Michaels fired him. He's so upset mm-hmm. that he's never returned to Saturday Night Live. He's never hosted. Yeah. I know of a few people that, yeah, they would never came back because of how shitty it was. Yeah. Yeah. There have been a few people who have come back and talked shit, too, about yeah. Lauren during their monologue. Yeah, and sorry to go on a tent, but the funniest was Larry Davids. He he was a writer for Saturday Night Live, and um, Dick Ebersol was running it, not Lauren Michaels at the time. But anyways, there was a writers re- uh, meeting. Larry pitched an idea, nobody liked it. They bitched and moaned, so he stood up angrily and marched out and said he quit. That was on a Friday. He sat the whole weekend going, fuck, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills or what I'm going to do. And he just showed back up to work on Monday and nobody said a thing. And that, no, no. And he used that to write that, that arc for George, that episode of George and Seinfeld yeah. where George just shows back up to work. Oh my God. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so right. yeah, Robert Downey Jr. His, his dad, Robert Downey Sr. Or just Robert Downey. Um, was, was, was an actor. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, I, I keep forgetting his name. His last name isn't junior. <laughs> like, right. like, and like his wife's name isn't like Mrs. Junior. <laughs> um, <Right>. but, um, <laughs> uh, he, uh, um, he's, he had a number of roles as a child in some of his dad's films throughout the seventies. Um, then uh, after SNL, he was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Weird Science, both of those in 85. Um, back to School, The Pickup Artist, Less Than Zero. He got the whole Rat Pack thing going. Um, yeah. Uh, True Believer, <laughs> Air America. Uh, and then around th- that Chaplin was like his big like uh, prestige role yeah. um, in the early 90s. Was kind of What's that? It was kind of a flop. 
yeah, it was a big flop. And that's around the time he started really having trouble with uh, his his uh, substance abuse. He went to jail. Um, he got blacklisted from Hollywood. He kind of came back in the mid-2000s. He was sober. He, he had a few relapses throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Mid-2000s, he got sober finally. Um, and part of the reason that he's... So he he kind of controversially has backed Mel Gibson after Mel Gibson's fall because mm-hmm. Mel Gibson is the only one who would cast him after he got sober. And Mel Gibson kept telling him, people make mistakes. You can come back from this. You know, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. So wow. take that as you will. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is still not without controversy. He says things from time to time. And that's why he's not in the public square as often as uh, a you know famous Disney-backed artist might be yeah right exactly that's why he's right. not you know out there as much as like some of the chris's yeah um, he's not as safe as samuel L. jackson for instance yeah weirdly <laughs> enough um terrence howard played roadie in this one um hang hang on hang on um robert downey jr was he played albert einstein in a bruce willis movie called that's adequate in 1989 what? Wow. Skipped um, right over that one. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't he, um, didn't he win an Oscar at some point? No. No? Oh, I thought right. he won one for that, like, the musician, the soloist or whatever. Maybe uh, that was uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the, the Mel Gibson connection, was that uh, from Air America? That's where they met, yeah, and became friends. Um, and uh, Scanner Darkly was... Uh, <gasps> kind of cool scanner darkly was cool and of course kiss kiss bang bang was awesome that movie was great that That was a pretty awesome movie from uh 2005 yeah that was his first attempt at a comeback that's when he started kind of coming back um yeah so all right uh yeah so we terrence howard uh played roadie in this one um he was uh his first role was uh in who's the man in 1993 he was customer um, he got, he got a named role in dead presidents. Uh, he was a Mr. Holland's opus, uh, let's see, players club, big mama's house, uh, angel eyes, um, crash in 2004, Ray, um, hustle and flow. That was a good movie. Uh, get that rich, was a good movie. Yeah. Get Richard die trying idle wild. Um, so he didn't come back after this one as Rhodey again because he wanted a lot more money than Marvel oh. thought was worth. What year did Crash come out? Uh, three. I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, two thousand three. So that was like that one best film, right? I heard yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I heard it was the money thing, but I also heard that like Robert Downey Jr. didn't feel like they had any charisma. Yeah, they didn't. That's connect. what I heard. Not, not, not like a shitty thing where actors are like, I'm not going to work unless he leaves. But he was behind recasting because he didn't quite feel that spark that we mentioned. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. They didn't click. Not like not like no. uh, um, Don Cheadle. I, I, clicked. Couldn't, I couldn't see him making any of the jokes that Don Cheadle made throughout his arc. Right. No. You know? Or like being in. being in Endgame, like being on that planet with Nebula waiting for the. Yeah. Know, just like. <laughs> he's kind of like, oh, I'm here for him. <laughs> when you're trying to, 
the rent. Okay. And he's, I think he's most com- or most, most known for empire. Cause he's, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Empire. Um, yeah, at this point, he's grandma powered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Leon Bridges. His middle name's Leon, Leon Bridges. <laughs> um, of course, his dad Which, is. By the way, before you start, before you start with him, I looked it up today to make sure. Um, supposedly, the doctors are saying that the tumor he had has shrunk, has shrunk considerably, and that he's doing all right. So, oh, good. Get better, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Get better. This dude, I love this dude. Um, this dude. Yeah, it looked like he was going to die Isn't when the story. First... He's the dude. He's the dude. The dude. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. Okay. His dad is Lloyd Bridges, uh, <laughs> famous for, <laughs> for not knowing when a good time to quit sniffing glue is. Um, Crazy Bridges. Yes. Those eyes, man. Lloyd Bridges' eyes are amazing. Um, brother of Bo Bridges, um, who... Uh, the Fabulous Baker Boys is a really fun movie, if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, it is. Um, Bo Bridges, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Jeff, Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges play a piano playing... Um, brother team and uh they hire michelle pfeiffer on as their like lounge singer and then there's like a love triangle it's like a comedy thing it's really they good. find a treasure map. <laughs> but um so yeah he got a start in sea hunt as a kid um with uh both his dad and his that's, brother um that's it I, I kept saying leslie nielsen was on sea hunt it no was crazy bridges yeah it was, i knew it was an airplane but anyway yeah it was uh yeah then um you know he uh he was in Last Picture Show in seventy one, um he got an Academy Award nomination for that uh he it's was in, in the- yeah Fat City with John Houston Thunderbolt and Lightfoot um the seventy six King Kong which is a terrible movie um yeah and then in eighty two this is what I first knew him from uh Tron Star. Tron yeah. oh yes yeah. Um, 84 Starman. 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 Um, <laughs> let the children boogie. Um, <laughs> he was in Against All Odds, Jagged Edge, um, Blown Away. Um, and then, of course, the dude in The Big Lebowski. Um, he was great Man. in The Fisher King. Oh, God, The Fisher King was so good. Oh, yeah. That was so good. Hey. Oh, oh. I haven't watched that in so long. I'm with Robin uh, Williams. Same here. Need to watch that again. Yeah, <laughs> I have it on VHS. Uh, maybe, maybe someday we'll get that into a uh, a monthly movie. Um, what year was that? Ninety one. Oh, we were so close. I we know. Nineteen ninety. Ninety. Yeah, ninety is going to be for February. Um, so then, of course, uh, he was uh, um, the True Grit remake with the Coens. Um, oh yeah. He was Rooster Cogburn, right? Yep. Um, he's Jeff yeah, Bridges, he man. Okay. He's awesome. Uh, let's see. We got uh, moving. It on. was really weird. It was it was really weird to see him hairless in very weird. Yes. Um, yeah. But <laughs> especially what watching it now, watching it yesterday was it was not as hard as it was watching it back in two thousand eight. 2008 it was weird it's like whoa it was super whoa, weird then whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um okay 
But the single funniest joke in this movie is when he has the uh, FaceTime conference with Obi, the very first one. And Jeff Bridges not only is bald, but has his shirt off and he's leaning like this in bed. He's laying down in bed, yeah. (laughs) That had to be a directorial choice. Somebody chose that. Um, all right, so we got Gwyneth Paltrow. We got Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. Um, she, uh, she's wow. Her family is very rich, aren't they? Um, her dad. Um, Bruce Paltrow. Yeah, Bruce Paltrow. Her dad is uh big in the whole um, uh, um. The uh, whole uh, uh, like a uh, uh, Ram Dass community, um, mm-hmm. the whole love serve oh. remembers thing. Um, her cousin mm-hmm. is Gabby Giffords. Interesting. Really? Yeah, second cousin what? Gabby Giffords. Um, but uh, she got her start uh, in. Let's see, she was in uh, Shout in 1991. That's Travolta. Um, she was uh, in Hook. Well, you didn't mention. You mentioned her dad, but her mom is um, Blythe Danner. Yes. She was in all the Meet the Fockers movies, but she was an actress for years. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, she did a lot. Uh, she was on Broadway for a long time. She was in Will and Grace. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. She, um, she got cast. Um, she was Wendy Darling in Hook as a mm. pretty, yeah. she was pretty young. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, uh, let's see, Seven. Emma, Sliding Doors. I actually like all three of those movies. A Perfect Murder. All of those are good. I like all those movies. Um, Very 90s. And then there was Shakespeare in Love in 98, for which she won a Academy Award for Best Actress. It won Best Picture, beating out um, uh, 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 Spielberg. What's it called? Um, Schindler's List? No, not Schindler's List. Schindler's List won. Uh, the uh, f- uh, not Finding Nemo. What was it? <laughs> oh, Band of no, not Band of the Brothers. the uh, Saving Private Saving Ryan. Private Ryan. I could not remember that name. Yes, Saving Private Ryan. Um, which was some bullshit. Uh, then of course, <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley, which was great. Royal Tenenbaums so was great. Then in the 2000s, she got a little uneven. Shallow Hal, Sky Captain. Both of those are... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but- in, the, in the year 2000, she did an episode of Clerks, the, the animated show. Oh, wow. Herself. In the year 2000. She don't, she's not good, but she's not bad. She's fine. <laughs> like Sometimes she does all right. She, you know, she's a noted um, snake oil peddler at this point with her goop bullshit, but... Well, you don't want to put uh, crystals in your body, like inside yeah. your body. In your, in your yeah, please, please. <laughs> well, don't. I saw another. Don't put don't. crystals inside your orifices. Don't do that. <laughs> you want good vibes. <sighs> Throw. That's let the people do what they want. Time, <laughs> let the children boogie. Um, Sean Taub. Uh, we got as uh, oh, what was the character's name? Um. Rosra, yeah. uh, oh no, Sean Tabas Ho Ho Jensen. Um, let's see, he uh, was on the Kite Runner. Um, 
I feel like he had, yeah, he, yeah, okay, here we go. He's in a bunch of stuff. He was in Bad Boys, Broken Arrow, um, Crash. <laughs> he was also in Crash. <laughs> Charlie Wilson's War. So he he works. Um, and Paul Bettany as Jarvis, the voice of Jarvis. He is married to Jennifer Connelly. Yep. Um, hmm. He was really good, good in A Knight's Tale. Um, a bunch of stuff. Paul Bettany, he's great. Uh, he's, he's also great in WandaVision. He is really good in WandaVision. Yes. Yeah. I saw what you meant about the Peter O'Toole thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a British Dick Van Dyke becomes Peter O'Toole. Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there was some Dick Van Dyke elements, Lucy, you know, Bewitched. It was it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's I see. Uh, Leslie Bibb played Christine. That doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie Bibb played Christine Everhart. Clark Gregg was Agent Coulson. Um, prior to this, I'll briefly run him down. So um, he's he's been in a ton of movies. Uh uh, Fat Man and Little Boy, I Love Trouble, Clear and Present Danger. He he plays a cop or an FBI agent a lot. No, um, Fat Man and Little Boy, that was called, that was Tommy Boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Clark Gregg? Yeah, Clark Gregg. Yeah, he was uh, Agent Casper in West Wing. That's what I remember him from. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, let's see. He was in, uh, he was a screenwriter on What Lies Beneath. Interesting. Oh. That was Jeff Bridges too. Yeah. Um, so uh, what does lie beneath? I used to make so many jokes, Josh. <laughs> did, did they ever say what lies beneath? Um, I think it's mostly like sand and some seaweed. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I was just I was just go- scrolling through. Um, Clark Gregg was credited as super nerd in AI. Yes. Artificial intelligence. <laughs> yes, he was. Which, a, which I don't that's remember. A crazy but movie. I love that that character name. Super nerd. It's pretty crazy, that movie. Yeah, it is. That movie is really crazy. Um, I'm definitely nominating it whenever we get to whatever year that was. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um sure. but uh yeah, that kind of runs down our main guys. I'm not gonna talk about Sam Jackson now as agent uh um, Nick Fury, because we've talked about him before, and we'll see him featured again more prominently in later films. Um, so that brings us to the movie itself. You guys ready to jump into the play-by-play? Uh, uh, I hate job hunting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I that Cheeseburger first. Cheeseburger first. Here we go, guys. This is Iron Man. We open on the desert. Back in black plays, and we join a convoy of Humvees. Tony Stark's riding in one with some soldiers. We find out he's a famous playboy, pals around with the soldiers. They're attacked. Tony's knocked unconscious by an explosion from a missile bearing his name. Then we see he's been captured. It was an IED, right? Or was it a missile? It was a missile. It was a missile. Okay. It landed and then exploded. So probably one of his own missiles. Very fitting. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, there's a there's a shot with where they cut to it and it says Stark on it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that was that was the little bomb after he jumps out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after he leaves the safety of the, I assume the armored vehicle attack was was an IED. Right. That's that's what I assume too. I, yeah. But yeah. But a roadside bomb, to be specific. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're driving me to court martial. 
Yeah, there were a lot of funny moments making establishing him as humorous and also intimidating in that first that first shot. Um, the shot right. of the bomb, though, uh, we revisit that idea when they introduce the twins, Wanda and uh, Pietro. Yeah, um, in Age of Ultron, oh, there was a yes. bomb, and on it said one word, and she steps out of the dark saying "stock," whatever. Yeah, um, back when she had an accent. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting rewatching this, having seen all the movies. I'd like to point out that it wasn't a very good bomb, that thing that said Stark, because he was standing right in front of it and it blows up and he's he's still alive. So there's an argument to be made that it is a very effective bomb because outright killing your enemy on the battlefield removes your enemy. Injuring your enemy grievously and requiring them weeks of medical care is hella effective at destabilizing your enemy because okay. they have to provide care for their people. So uh-huh. the argument goes both ways that like if he had vaporized Tony Stark, like sure, but also by making him full of shrapnel, which we hear Yinsen say later on that that's what those weapons do. And the only way to save people is with magnets. Well, and they have no bargaining chip. Magnets. They kill. With magnets. How do they work though? Yeah. Is- for real. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but um, we find out, though, that they were hired to murder Tony Stark. So they actually weren't yeah. doing their job by just injuring him. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, well, yeah, he was supposed to be in the Humvee that got decimated, that got completely destroyed. Yes. And that's that's why he chose to go in the fun V we see later. Well, yeah, good point. And also, they must have wanted him to be captured because Obi then gives a lecture to the head of the... Uh, insurgents or whatever you know about how they fucked up killing stark so i think they wanted to become a prisoner well they were there to justify more war action in the region well i think well, that, well, they ended know, up using tony stark against obi well yeah and, right. and and they basically just said like you didn't pay us enough to kill him we'll yeah. kill him when you yeah. give us more money well he says in the video you didn't even tell us that it was right. Yeah, yeah, well, like, yeah, you didn't tell us we were killing Tony Stark. Who was killing? Now it's going to cost you more. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I, I thought it was really interesting. Just back to the, the initial scene where you said, like, he stepped out of an armored car. He's he's shouting at all these uh, these airmen that are getting killed. Give me a gun. And we've yeah. I don't think we've ever seen Tony Stark use a gun. We've seen him use like no. an improvised gun, but him asking for a gun and not getting one is a really interesting moment for his character. Yeah, it is. It's like Batman using a gun, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's, it's funny that he says, yeah. "Give me a gun." He's not just cowering because he's yeah. not he's not a he's not a fighter at this point. Like he's yeah, not, he's a billionaire playboy, no. you know. Mm-hmm. But he has a lot of hubris, so well, you know. And thinking about that, you know, thinking of that kind of person in the real world, they would absolutely have a gun on them. I would think, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you were like, if you were a if someone who talks shit that much. <laughs> you oh know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, to absolutely. strangers, he should be armed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we get a title card, just like the quick, like boom, Iron Man, uh, with the cool sounds, the metal rivet sounds. Yeah. And, yeah. Then we cut to an award ceremony, and we get like that, like clip package talking about, like, so we get like that. Uh, we find out about Tony's life. That's really, that's a that's a clever MIT. way to like yeah, quickly get us on board. Games. 
Yeah, first circuit board yeah. four kind of thing. 30, 36 hours earlier. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. cut back in time 36 hours yeah, earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of time time jumping in this movie. I, I did not remember that being the structure of this, is that we jump back and forth. Yeah, it's got um, the fractured. The first time at this award ceremony is the first time that we hear the Iron Man theme song. It's playing in the background as Obi mm-hmm. walks up and accepts the, the award. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to go listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then right we now, hear it so a second later. time. <laughs> when they cut to Tony on the casino floor where he's playing craps, I don't know, uh, some sort of dice game. Roulette. Roulette, that's right. But yeah, there's know. there's another version of that song that plays. So there's like a big band version and then there's like a casino big band version. And then that's those are the first two. So um, hmm. so yeah, okay. We meet his best friend, Rhodey, his mentor, Obadiah Stane. Uh, Tony is... Uh, not there to pick up his award. He's off gambling. Uh, Rhodey comes, gives him the award. He leaves the casino. He's confronted by an attractive young journalist who asks him about being a weapons dealer. He flirts with her, and they end up going back to his house. <laughs> um, what a scoop. Right? Well, he completely profiles her, too, which is really interesting. That's how we see Tony's ability to, to really think on his toes. Like, what, where'd you go, Brown? You know, I forget what school she says, but he he almost nails her to to a T, which is really funny. She yeah. did go to Brown. I I forget what he said. School. Berkeley school. Oh, Berkeley. That's right. Yeah, Berkeley. That's right. Um. Yeah. So yeah. She, I mean, but she went to Brown. We learn really fast that he is in fact a genius. Yeah, a straight up genius. Thought, but you yeah. Know. Well, sure. Um. So then the next morning, uh, we meet Tony's assistant Pepper. Uh, Pepper Potts. We meet uh, Jarvis, his house's AI. Pepper shows the journalist out. She and Tony banter, and then he's roguish, and they go back and forth, and she gets to hold her own with him for a while. Yeah, the the shot when she wakes up and uh, the window has all of the AI, you know, the information feed from the internet or whatever. Um, we we revisit that later when he goes like, just integrate the house into the into the suit yeah so that's basically laying that groundwork for like that's where he has all this stuff already he's already built it's you know his information it's amazing to me that um that that vision essentially started off as siri yeah it's a computer you talk to with a funny accent yeah 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 uh so all right so he uh he has to catch a plane he drives to the airport that's why i thought it would have been Cool to have it be Peter's voice. What's that? It's a bit of a delay because I said that a while ago. Go ahead. All right. So, um, nothing. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, he drives to the airport uh, where Rhodey's waiting for him in uh, Tony's private plane. They fly to the Middle East. Along the way, they enjoy the booze and the girls on the plane ride. Uh, then when they get to the desert, Tony sells some Jericho missiles to the military. We get a ghost face. Um, this is the closest we get yeah. to a ghost face cameo in the movie. Who is Tony Stocks out of Wu-Tang? Yes. Uh, his song is playing in the background. He There was supposed to be an actual cameo. There's a deleted yeah. scene with him as a cameo. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's the song that's playing once the the uh, 
stewardess his his attendants uh, are dancing and like drinking. yeah exactly because i looked at him i was like what flight crew is this you know right <laughs> tony and coffee to make and hired uh yeah he did not hire them for their for their aeronautical aeronautical experience yeah. but he bought special uniforms so they would look like stewardesses yeah <laughs> yes. okay. this, this was also the first of uh Rhodes, um his uh he would say, I'm not going to do that thing. And then like it immediately cuts to him doing that thing. This is yeah, the one like, character like, moment. He does it really works. I'm, I'm not going to drink. And then he's drunk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the quick cut to the dancing. I- and the nice irony cut. Yeah, absolutely. I'm shouting his story. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So after the uh, sale of the Jericho missiles, uh, Tony gets in a Humvee. We get a recap of the opening scene, some quick flashes of Tony being operated on, and then he wakes up. He's a captive in a cave. There's a car battery hooked up to a, uh, his chest. Uh, we find out it's a magnet that's been inserted there to keep shrapnel from the explosion from entering his heart. Uh, he's a prisoner, and his cellmate is Ho Yensen, a brilliant scientist, and the one that did the surgery on him. Yeah, so that was that was from the origin story, the shrapnel and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. They, pretty cool. They did a good job of mm-hmm. like yeah. drawing from the, the, the source material. Yeah, they did. Well, and what cool. a futuristic idea that whoever it was, Stan, Ditko, Kirby, whoever it was, but to come up with that as a storytelling device, so. Many years ago, the sixties or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What crazy forward thinking? I know those don't exist in our world, but the science of it makes sense. So it's crazy they came up with that back then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, we get a group of uh, terrorists from the Ten Rings that enter. They tell him they want him to build a Jericho missile for (laughs) them. He says, "I wish the Ten Rings were just a Cirque du Soleil show." Uh, he refuses to uh, build the missiles. They torture him a bit. Uh, he discovers they have a lot of his weapons already. Um, he agrees to build the missiles, though he knows they're going to double-cross him. And so he decides, under the guise of building the missiles, that he's going to build himself a miniaturized arc reactor, which is... Is that is that just supposed to be, like, fission? Like, what is it? Yeah, that's how I interpreted it. Well, do you remember like cold he, fusion? Yeah, something kind of well, kind of like that. Um, in later movies, I can't remember which one. It starts kind of starts with Iron Man underwater installing that arc reactor and then like welding it back shut, but to power the entire city. Oh, like, that's Age of Ultron, I think. Is it Age of Ultron? Ultron? Yeah. So he yeah. puts it in place, locks it, and he's like, "Now nah, the whole city's on clean energy." Hmm. Yeah. So um, they kept that. So, yeah, he uh, builds a miniature arc reactor, sticks that in his chest. Um, then uh, he and the doctor begin building the iron, an iron suit. Uh, There's an interesting moment thinking, of course, this is uh, there. God, how many Marvel MCU movies? This is the first of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he asks him, like, where are you from? And he says, like, Golmeria or whatever. Or- G- Golmeria. Gomera, do you have a family, Mister Stark? After after he says like I'm going to go revisit my family, um, and Tony says no. He says the man who has everything, you know, right. but a family. Uh, it's just an that. interesting thing because we see later on Tony. That's eventually God. what stops him from. Yeah, I mean they built 
so many like paving stones to a developed character. They did years down below the they, road. They did so well arcing this character from this movie through Endgame. In the first act, oh my not god, even yeah. the first act of this movie. Yeah, like, and his character is established. You know, the ladies' man who flirts with his assistant, mm-hmm. but doesn't have a family, but wants it. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Like, yeah. God. Yeah. This was the first domino, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they just kept falling down. You know, this movie goes into this movie. This movie goes into this movie. The, brilliant. Never Which, been done before. I, I should – another thing that we will revisit in the other Iron Man movies maybe. I mean it's such like a fleeting moment. When he's the, – the soldier in the convoy asks him, can I take a picture with you? And he pl- flashes the peace sign. He mm-hmm. says, no gang signs. No, no gang I'm just kidding. Too. Put it up. We see Tony Stark throughout the rest of the movies flashing the peace sign constantly. Right. Like he's Richard Nixon getting off the plane. Well, yeah. And he says, oh, oh, peace. Yeah, I love peace. With peace, I'd be out of business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that that is another thing that we see later on throughout his like character development. Yeah. But the line of the soldier in the Humvee was pretty good. He's like, would it be cool if I got a picture with you? It, yes, would, it would be very cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, all right. So he meets the leader of the Ten Rings, who's getting impatient. Uh, he gives him t- until the next day to finish. So Tony and the Doctor get Tony suited up. They're almost out of time, so the Doctor uh, sacrifices his own life to give Tony enough time to complete uploading the suit thing. He starts shooting that gun right away. Like he's still in the entrance of where they've been kept prisoner. He's like, he's not shooting at anybody. That's well, interesting. Anybody. It's very much covering fire. It's he is Han Solo sure. in a new hope sure. running down the hallway after the stormtroopers. Literally that happens at one moment where it was like he was testing the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, uh, and, and the leader of the Ten Rings is Raza. That, uh, yes. Just to give him a name. Yes, Raza. And, uh, Since the, I mentioned it earlier. When the doctor's dying, he says something very important to Tony, which I think had an impact where he says, don't waste your life. Don't, yeah. you know, no matter what you do, yeah. don't waste your life. Yeah. And uh, that, that hit, you could tell. Absolutely. Well, that's the moral of the story of Iron Man. It's like you yeah. can't just be a playboy. You can't just have a good time. Mm-hmm. You got to do something in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and he's, yeah, he's like, I made so many things that killed so many people. I have a debt to the universe. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So he, uh, Tony fights his way out of the cave. He blows up the terrorist camp and then shoots himself through rockets off into the middle of the desert and to safety. We get a cameo in the cave and I wasn't yes. aware of this. Yeah. The first goon the first 10 rings goon that he punches is tom morello uh-huh. from rage against the machine whoa what? i did not notice that and an audio yeah. slave is what plays in the the credits yeah so it was just interesting oh. that they like used his song and he was in the movie that's so, awesome yeah. and iron man is a machine yeah so i mean and we <laughs> rage get, again. oh my god well we get that's so, funny. I mean, we Seriously. get Ghostface and Tom Morello in this movie. There's a lot of like cred in this movie. Like this oh, is yeah. not just like a nerdy superhero movie. This is like understanding yeah. the superhero uh, culture reaches well beyond teenage kids in their bedrooms reading comic books. Like it has well, had I mean, on people. That's why John Favreau was like, here, hold my beer. 
and just made the fucking best superhero movie. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. So, so I would like to point out the last two Marvel movies we we did was um uh Silver Surfer and Spidey yeah. 3. Oof. Oof. Like this X Men 3. And X Men 3. This seems like it's for and and Ghost Rider. This seems yeah, like I, it's from a different decade compared this to this movie those. stands up to anything that's been made in the last 10 years. Like I remember saying when, when this came out, like finally somebody understands what it is we've wanted all this time. Yeah. I remember seeing this opening night and going back the next day to watch it. Yeah. That's, I literally was like, I've got to go back and see that again tomorrow. That was incredible. It was like, thank God someone finally got it. Somebody finally understood what the appeal of these things are. Right. Not John Ritter with a fucking mask, COVID mask on. It. Like, that's not what we're into. No. And yeah. yeah. And it it's not cheesy and it's not super dark. No. It hits this like it, it, it hits this sweet spot of like, like comic silliness, but realistic, but also yeah. not like uber dark DC bullshit. We get camp where it's necessary, where it like works. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny but throughout, throughout, like yeah, action packed. Well, and, and it's like sprinkling. It's like other than Christopher Nolan, somebody finally said, "Hey, what if we just make a good movie?" Yeah, right. What What would this be like in real life? Yeah, that's the realism. Or even, of this is what made it, or even a sci-fi movie. movie. Yeah. yeah, regardless we're, we're of the subject matter. Robot. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of the subject matter, what if the movie itself is just good? Yeah. Well, and and has the constraints of a real world. Yeah. A real universe. Absolutely. Yeah. They they were laying bricks. Yeah. As they went for sure. If this had been the only one, we would still look back on this movie being like, how did they make this super amazing movie and nothing else? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's not even yeah. the best of the lot, but how important it was. How yeah. important. And but yeah. All right. So okay. So um he's found by Rhodey out in the desert. He's flown back home where he's reunited with Pepper and Obadiah. We meet. Okay. Real, real quick. Him coming out of the carrier in the wheelchair. Absolutely reminded me of him. He and Nebula landing in Endgame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And dying and like Rhodey's there and Pepper's there to cheer him up. Watching this again. It had been so long that I hadn't really thought about it, but watching this again, it's amazing how much they mirror character beats from this. In yeah. mm-hmm. in uh, Endgame, um, the more than like any other book. movie, this it's is like a bookend. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, right down to I am Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. The first first time he says it's matter of factly. Last time he says, "Don't fucking forget it." Well, and that <laughs> and that line, like a lot of lines in this movie, was not scripted. No, that was right. That was Robert Downey Jr. saying, "Well, what if I said this?" Mm-hmm. And right. they shot it, and it made it into yeah. the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it defined awesome. the series. Um, but yeah, like so, like yeah, like in Endgame, he starts. He's trapped at the beginning of the movie alone with one other person. Yeah, um, he gets rescued. Um, then yeah, the ending well, with no hope. Mm-hmm. This movie, he there's no way he's going to get rescued. Right, he could have died in both yeah. situations. Yeah, yeah. So he I, might as well go out with a bang. I wanted to point out uh, when he was escaping in his uh, suit of armor, um, it's he had like giant eye holes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's really, 
it's really fortunate that nobody like shot him in the face. And yep. Yeah, he had a little bit of plot armor in that moment. <laughs> Through the uh, eye. Yeah, he got lucky. Um, so, so, all right. So uh, he gets some hamburgers, gives a press conference, um, and he says that Stark Industries is not going to make weapons anymore. Creates a big uproar. Obadiah immediately tries to walk it back with the press. Um, later, he and Obadiah talk. Obadiah is not happy about Tony's big announcement. Tony tells Obadiah about the arc reactor, and Obadiah tells Tony to let him handle the business side of things for now. Um, at home, Tony makes himself a new arc reactor because the old one's malfunctioning. Pepper helps him install it. Gwyneth gets goop all over her hands. Which <laughs> yeah. uh, um, Col- Colson shows up and talks to uh, talks to Pepper. Um, oh yeah, instant cl- instant classic. Uh, nailed it right from the start. It just what isn't it? Define strategic defined homeland and intervention. Uh, oh God, logistics division. Logistics oh, and enforcement logistics division. Strategic homeland intervention and enforcement logistics division. Well, it's not the original acronym for Shield. It no. has had at least four. No, this is the final one, which is yes. the best one out of all of them. Yeah, but uh, Gwyneth and Colson uh, become friends, and they even show that in future movies. I think that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. Well, and. This shows the passive nature of Shield at this point too. Right. Shield is very That's much cool. working in the background. They're not doing anything that. actively. Yeah, let's just set up a mo. Let's set up a meeting. Blah blah blah. Later on in the movies, I mean, Shield is like fascist level of control. Yeah. Well, um, they're Hydra. That's why I was going to ask. Do you? I know they didn't show us anything, but according to their timeline, was Shield already Hydra? Oh yeah, yeah. Shield and had been Hydra the whole time. They yeah. had like the seeds of Hydra since the beginning, well, the yeah, the whole time for, for decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, and we see that in, in not to keep revisiting Endgame, but he's Howard Stark is looking for Arnim Zola mm-hmm. in the basement when he runs into Tony. Arnim, you down here? Arnim, is that you? Mm-hmm. Who is the 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 heart of the Hydra? You know, invasion of oh right, that guy, yeah, that little guy. The sweet, the, I'm Swiss, not German. That guy. Anyways. Uh, all right. So uh um he tells Pepper to destroy the old arc reactor. Um then Tony visits Rhodey, tells him he's working on something big. Rhodey's all angry about Tony's press conference. Then in his private lab, Tony begins working on a new suit with Jarvis. We see a little Mark bit of two. Mark II. Calls it Mark II. That's II. where we get the naming convention yep. of all the marks throughout all of his uh his suits. Yep. Uh in the desert. Well, it's very important that um, they showed the progression of Tony and his technology. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so glad it didn't go from like cave Iron Man to prototype Iron Man to nanobot technology. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm glad that was introduced later because he's a genius. He's innovating. You know, I'm, I'm okay. glad they did that. And, and we'll get into it in the other movies. The suits really reflect Tony's mind state throughout. Yeah. That's true. They really do a good job of showing that, like, this is his expression. This is his art form. This is his superpower. This right. is how like, he lives in the world. And like the cars he collects, you know. Yeah, absolutely. the The scene with uh, Pepper pulling out the 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 wire, the magnet, like a yeah. trout, was freaking hilarious. I had to rewind it um, to watch it again because I was laughing so much. And it's a great practical um, effect. Oh God! Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just a prosthetic chest at like a 45 degree angle and he's standing upright. Again, I'd like to point out how well the effects hold up 12, 13 oh. years later. Um, yeah. yeah. So good compared to the effects from the previous year in Rise of the Silver Surfer where they're like these blobs flying around. Uh, this is like Jurassic Park. That's, I mean, that's what Favreau does so well is like it's movie magic. We have to capture the movie magic aspect of it. It's not about explosions and impressing people it's about making people suspend disbelief mm-hmm. through yeah. movie magic yeah um, um so all right in the desert we see the 10 rings collecting the remains of his first suit we get a building the suit montage and testing it with jarvis um a little bit of pepper in the lab <laughs> just a sprinkle of pepper uh obadiah <laughs> well, and she drops off the box the right Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a little later. But Uh, yeah, she brings him back the arc reactor proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Well, and we see it. She delivers it and then he doesn't open it. Yeah. For a long time. Yes. Yeah. She just drops it back on the counter. Um, So Obadiah arrives with some pizza, tells Tony that the board of directors has filed an injunction to take control of the company from him. Obadiah. Always evil board. When he's playing the piano, not to get into too much of the, there is so much fucking detail in this movie. He is playing music composed by Salieri. So if you guys remember Amadeus, Salieri was the musician until Mozart. And he was second fiddle to Mozart his entire life. Um, Yeah. He was the king's official musician until Mozart. Yeah. Wow. So Obadiah playing Salieri is very much, so you know, yeah, it is huge. As good as Murray Abraham. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so, all right. So, uh, uh, Tony refuses to give Obadiah the arc reactor. Um, so he goes down to some more suit developing, completes the Mark II, takes it out for a maiden flight around Southern Cal. He, uh, Built Jarvis into the interface. Um, there's, we discover there's a problem with icing at high altitude, which shuts down the suit. Although he survives the crash, all of that funny stuff with like the the fire extinguisher and Jarvis. Yeah, well, that's really good. And Tony's first move is the first thing he wants to do with the suit is go to space. Yes. Yeah, Sometimes I, you got to run before you can walk. I mean, he is immediately thinking, I'm going to break a record with this thing, which which says so much about his character. Not just that, like, I'm going to make a suit. That's yeah. awesome. It's shiny. It's a hot rod that flies. What's the what's the altitude record? I'll break it right now. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. What was the um, SR-71's record? Yeah. I have to add that, you know, we've talked about it in all the other superhero movies that when they pay a big star, they can't just have him in a mask the whole time. You got to see the star's face a lot, which is always frustrating for comic fans. They revolutionized this. Yeah. You know, they showed him inside the Iron Man mask, but you could see his whole face. You could see the expressions he made. And then, uh, you know, whenever it popped off, but it wasn't a deal where like Spider-Man needs to get his mask off, like in each act. <laughs> So yeah. Toby can be free. They, they blew. Yeah. They made the new standard. There is some incredible creative interpretation of how his head looks inside the helmet that we just forgive because you have the heads up display in front of us. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's him mm-hmm. in a dark room, you know, with this right. like light, this blue glow. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. It serves two purposes. You can see his face, but then you see the inner workings of the, the suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool. 
Um, interestingly right. enough, I believe this will come up. We'll talk about it um, in episodes down the road. But I believe after Iron Man 2, he never actually wore a suit again. It's all CG suits after from three on. Yeah, they just had him wear the, the top oh. the shoulder piece kind of thing. Yeah. Like this right. one and two, he actually wore full suits, but never again. Yeah. You can kind of tell. The suit is. And I always chalked it up to Mano. Yeah. Huh. But um, cool. so, all right. So uh, let's see. Uh, later, he discovers Pepper saved the original arc reactor. Meanwhile, in the desert, the Ten Rings are reassembling the first suit. Then uh, we cut to Tony finishing up the Mark II and its paint job. Uh, we see there's a big party being thrown by his company. Tony wasn't invited, so he decides to go anyways. He uses a, 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 a gold titanium alloy that they use on the satellites. Mm-hmm. The Seraphim yeah. satellite. The, the Seraphim satellites. I, I don't know. I didn't look that up to see if that's a real thing, but uh, um, but yeah, to, to solve the icing problem. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in aircraft, there are two ways generally that airplanes defeat icing, which is like electro you know, heating or alcohol. So having a uh, conductive surface, he probably just ran voltage through it and heated up titanium, which heats up quickly and easily and mm. retains mm. structure under high heat, that kind of thing. So makes sense. Yeah. So, titanium is good for all sorts of things. Yeah. And it's lightweight. <laughs> it and good for you, too. You can make a little house out of it. You can make some drinks. I want to get titanium teeth. Oh wow! Jaws. I want I want vibranium teeth. <laughs> I have titanium chopsticks. Best investment ever. Um, Did so- anyone notice the gala? How um, how Tony pulled up to it to the curb and got out and it, like it was such a Bruce Wayne moment, especially the one in Dark Knight um, where he goes in to have dinner with Maggie and Harvey. But yeah, just like pulls up, doesn't pay attention to parallel parking, a little bit on the curb. Steps out, everyone's shocked. It was just such a Bruce Wayne, like, oh, yeah, playboy, First, yeah, yeah, yeah. total, yeah. total Bruce Wayne move. Um, so, uh, John Favreau was in Batman, right? Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah, he was one of the circus yeah. performers, that's right, one of the clowns, yep. Um, so, all right, um. So, uh, let's see, to he arrives at the uh, the party. Um, Agent Coulson introduces himself to him. Um, he agrees to a meeting, kind of uh, offhandedly. Did you guys notice um, that the the okay, we've got a ball. We've got a benefit ball. Uh, oh yes, we do, don't we? Ah. Um, and it's at the Disney Concert Hall. Yeah, oh. yeah, I noticed that this time around. That's really. Interesting. Huh. Was it always? <laughs> they add that in post. <laughs> Did they edit it in? Yeah. Um, um, wow. Huh. All right. So um, he uh, Tony dances and flirts with Pepper. They almost kiss. Uh, then he goes to get them a drink, and the reporter from the beginning of the movie confronts him about uh, the town of Garami. Garami. It's a town that Yo. That uh, Ho uh, Yinsen was from. Um, it's being destroyed by the Ten Rings with his weapons. Tony confronts Obadiah, who tells him that the company has been selling weapons to the Ten Rings, and Obadiah was the one who filed the injunction to get rid of Tony. 
that chick is a better journalist than Lois Lane in every movie. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> She's all uh, the Eiffel Tower. What well, is and it? she works for Vanity Fair. Yeah. 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 Which actually does some pretty good reporting these days. Yeah, they do. They, I mean, yeah, they yeah. like stories. Yeah. yeah, they do. Um, um, yeah, it was uh, Golmira. Golmira. If if she, if again, she but... was doing Lois Lane, she would have personally gone to Golmira in order uh-huh. to infiltrate the Got Ten it. Rings. Right. Got some Got her some <laughs> and then Iron Man would have had to have rescued her. But he wasn't um, Iron Man yet, so she's just like, any day now. Just kidnapped. But, but they have the Jericho. They do. They uh, have the terrorists. They got the Jericho. Okay. I would like to point out that Jericho was a heavily walled and fortress type city. And the first person to bring it down was Joshua. And so it should have been called the Joshua missile, not the Jericho. Missile. <laughs> well, I think the idea was that they were saying that it could bring down a walled fortress. Yes. Like Thank you. Yeah, I think so, yeah. they were, but yeah, you're right. It totally Jericho was. <laughs> I just want a missile named after me. <laughs> Don't we all like any boy, like any young boy, yeah. skinny uh, boy, pony boy, um, okay. <laughs> all the boys. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, Tony decides to take matters into his own hands. He suits up, flies to the Middle East, blows up the terrorists, and saves the civilians of the town. He leaves the party to do this. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he leaves the party to go uh seethe in his, and and work on his suit and be angry. Yeah. Um but when he shows up um in Golmira in Afghanistan, it's uh, 1 hour 17 minutes and 24 seconds when he like lands and we get our first full like Iron Man introduction. We're almost a yeah. full movie in before Iron Man shows up as a hero. And it's yeah. so trailers. So it wasn't, you know, it was kind of a shrewd choice. Yeah. Um, it was, it was so good. I still got a little choked up, uh, just like watching that first battle. Well, um, and this sequence yeah. is so short and concise yeah. and clean and well, like marked. I mean, there are no words said mm-hmm. until the very end. He doesn't say a thing to anybody. It's all until, body language. Until he uh, grabs that one guy through the wall. Yeah. Throws him down. He's, he's like, he's all yours. Mm-hmm. For, and that's for the villagers. And, and that's yeah. where we get the Iron Man voice for the first time. Yeah. That, like, right. yeah. Computerized. And you would think that maybe it was revenge, but it's not. It was more of my weapons are not going to kill this innocent village of people. Well, yeah. and it's also the village that Jensen is from, and I think that that all of those things connecting. He's like, oh shit, I have to, I have to leave. I have to go do this. Yeah. Right. I also um, made an. I also made a note that his robot face looks like a disapproving father. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, in in this scene, this is something that I think is really interesting about Tony Stark. He's uh, what is it that he says in Avengers? Do you have a plan? Yes, attack. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's very much what he does in this moment. But <laughs> the guy that he tosses to the ground is using a satellite phone to call Stain, uh-huh. and so Tony's not good at data collection or like oh, information. Oh, right. Yeah. Intercepting. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. calling, I'm pretty sure that he was calling Obadiah to say yeah, like, okay. dude, what the hell? This guy shows up. What? 
if he had hung out for like maybe 10 more seconds or like grabbed the phone and been like, who is this? You know? <laughs> he would have put this whole thing together right there in Afghanistan. Instead, he drops the guy and flies home to go and like relax. Yeah. So th- that to me was interesting too. That says a lot about Tony and his need for someone like Captain America mm-hmm. to do the strategizing, the bigger picture kind of thing. He just provides the tools and makes everybody he, look cool. He's a very seat of his pants kind of guy. Yeah. Well, he's not the quarterback. He's the coach. Yeah. Captain America is the quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good analogy. You know, yeah. 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 Or he's the team owner, really. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, All right. So, uh, yeah, Tony on the way back has a run in with the U.S. Air Force. Uh, He ends up. What's that? Very top gun. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. He ends up uh, crashing one of the planes. He has to tell Rhodey that he's in the suit. Um, He ends up saving the pilot. Sorry. Oh, yeah. You were almost there. I cut you off. He saves the pilot Um, and then Rhodey has to cover up the incident in the press. Go ahead. That this was the second time Tony s- tells Rhodes to uh, just say it's a training exercise, and Rhodes says, "Oh, it's not that simple." And then cut irony, cut. It's like, yeah, oh, it's just a, it's just training exercise. Yeah, I, I want to say also about this Rhodey moment because Tony calls him on his cell phone. <laughs> the cell phone ringer is the 1960s theme song for the uh, Iron Man cartoon. Yeah. Uh, we already missed the the third time that this happens when he beds the the reporter. The guitar version of the song happens, so that's all four. Wow, that. that's awesome. That's uh, right, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Pepper discovers Tony in the suit. Obadiah travels to the Middle East, where the Ten Rings guy tries to make a deal with him, but Obadiah uses a paralysis device to double cross the leader. Uh, he has his men take the suit and kill the terrorists. And then he orders the suit for himself be built immediately. Um, then, uh, at home, yeah, at home, Tony asks Pepper to break into Obadiah's computer and steal his weapons selling secrets. Pepper uh, thinks Tony is uh, being self-destructive, but Tony tells her he has a mission to protect the world now. Uh, she agrees to do it. She sneaks in, discovers that Obadiah has the Ten Rings try to kill Tony, uh, but they discovered his identity and held him for ransom instead. Obadiah interrupts her, discovers that she stole a bunch of his secrets, but she luckily runs into Agent Coulson on the way out, and they leave the Stark building together. I love this moment, because he is flanked oh, by cool. S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Yeah. This yeah. is the first time where we see S.H.I.E.L.D. be anything besides Coulson. Like, oh, it's not just a bureaucrat, uh, bureaucratic institution. It is like a law enforcement. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And I well, that's a little bit later when they show up at the. The, the plant where he's making. Oh, them. that's true. Yeah. But I, I love how um, Pepper isn't like she, she immediately takes things into her own hands. She's not yeah. like just a damsel in distress. I mean, yeah. she's she's doing what Tony asked. She isn't. She isn't that backing down. Yeah, she isn't backing down. But um, she isn't. You know, she she's not that proactive. But she's not. You know, Vicky Vale just waiting for Batman to rescue her. Yeah, she, she's incredibly capable. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, and and then she takes Shield and goes after Obadiah herself. 
She doesn't wait for yep. Tony to come do it. She's going to go arrest Obadiah. Which is not the yep. last time we see her take direct action. Mm-hmm. We see it in every movie yeah. where she is the reason why Tony survives. Yes. Um, this movie did not pass the Bechdel test. Uh, yeah, she doesn't uh, talk to a woman. She, well, she talks to his one-night stand, the reporter, but they talk about Tony. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so uh, Obadiah's scientists can't get the arc reactor to work. That's Ralphie. Um, Obadiah gets pissed off and uh, subdues Tony at his home with the paralysis device and steals the arc reactor out of Tony's chest, leaving Tony to die. And reveals his evil plan. Yeah. This is the this is the first like horror element that we get in this movie. Yeah. I mean, because we see it uh, with the the par- paralysis device in the Middle East, but once it happens to Tony, it is like spooky. Oh, yeah. You can He's see him in his home immediately as the thing is removed. Yeah, it was dark. Yeah. There was also a line here um, from Obadiah that, um, okay, so the line was, do you really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that was one of the themes that they started off with, um, like, back in the day, um, inventors, Nikolai Tesla, uh, uh, the other guy. (laughs) Edison? Yeah. Edison, yeah. Um, you had inventors and they would invent things and it would be theirs. And then around, uh, I mean, come the time of the 60s, uh, inventors didn't, they weren't autonomous. They were like corporations and, yeah. and yeah. stuff. And the, like the ideas, didn't, ideas didn't belong to them anymore. Well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that came with the bomb. The way that yeah. the bomb was Man- designed, Manhattan became, Project, yeah, it, it became a I don't want to say a public good, um, but but it truly is is public property in that sense, something that was funded by the government. Yeah. So. Well, the ability to own patents was um, considered heavily when making the Constitution. Yeah. Because if you lived in England, you showed your device to your local lord or whatever, and then he took the invention to the king. Next thing you know, the king had invented it, and you didn't get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So okay. So Pepper calls Rody, tells him what's happening. Rody goes to check on Tony since he's not answering his phone. Tony was able to crawl into his lab, where with the help of Jarvis, he uh, puts the original arc reactor that Pepper saved for him back into his chest. Um, was it Jarvis or was it Dummy? It was Dummy. Oh, it was, it was Dummy. dummy. Isn't yeah, Dummy but, just an extension but, of Darvis, Jarvis? It truly I guess. is just an extension. <laughs> <of> Jarvis, <laughs> you're right. But they they gave him his own personality. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Uh, Obadiah puts the uh, stolen uh, arc reactor into his own suit. Then Rhodey arrives and uh, tells him that Pepper and five S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are going to arrest Obadiah. Tony suits up and heads out. Um, though Jarvis warns him that his original arc reactor is not powerful enough to keep his suit going. Um, <laughs> Terrence Howard looks at <laughs> looks at the uh um mark one the silver suit, the silver suit. yeah the mark two yeah, suit says next time sorry terrence <laughs> not yeah, for you right. but yeah great introduction of war machine without doing it yeah then at the stark labs the shield agents and uh and pepper are attacked by obadiah in his suit 
Obadiah is about to kill Pepper. When Tony arrives, they battle into the streets and into the air. Obadiah ices up and crashes. Tony lands, thinking Obadiah has been defeated. But then Obadiah comes back and attacks him again. He and Tony are on the roof of the Stark Labs. Go ahead. Um, the, the woman in the Audi with her family. Um, <laughs> this, this was the second Audi plug. Uh, uh, Tony, Tony was driving an Audi. Uh, to the the ball um but her reaction was so good um just like the cars being lifted up in the air and uh iron man's putting it back down and she just punches the gas yeah yeah and And she's doing the useless like holding her kid with one arm as they're going well and this is so different from what we this trope like we see it in uh x-men 3 it's in jurassic park and people just freeze and they panic this lady self-preservation mama bear kind of like i'm just gonna run over this guy let god God sort him out kind of thing and and tony's like no 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 and gets run over it makes this shot which is very simple like car on a on a uh a fulcrum whatever set back down to now running over our CGI character, yeah, and having right. this this it added realism to it. Yeah, it did. Well, right, because he even had to lift the back end because he was going to get stuck on the muffler. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he pushes it so off like, him and sparks are it off everywhere. Yeah, this is well one of the done. more complex CGI shots in the whole movie. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's playing to a joke and to the reality of the people around them too. And to me, it, it yeah. there was so much in that one moment. Absolutely. Um, so, how so, badass did Opie look in the giant version? Oh God, yeah, dude, that was cool. The first time we see him, he's behind chains, just like oh. the shot in Alien. Yeah, where <laughs> the chain where, room, where yeah, the, the tinkling chain room with the dripping <laughs> water, where where Brett walks in and is like, "What's where you at, cat?" I forget the cat's name. Um, <laughs> the chain, and room. all of a sudden, the alien kills him. It's the same thing, and then she's running away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, that shot and the eyes light up. <laughs> yeah. That's another Ooh, horror yeah. moment in this movie. They Absolutely. incorporated so yeah. many oh, elements yeah. of of like yeah. film magic. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden we knew the stakes were real. He's scary. Yeah. He's not just he's not just right. a, a a mirror image of Iron Man. He's bigger, you know, he's right. more dangerous and he's intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, all right. So, uh, let's see. Jonesy, Jonesy is the cat. The cat, Thanks. Jonesy. Yes, Jonesy's Jonesy's the cat. Yeah. Here, all Jones. right. So, um, Tony calls Pepper <laughs> and tells her to blow up the big arc reactor in the lab. Um, she does it. Obadiah is vanquished. Um, Tony's all right. The next day at a press conference, um, the press is named. How, how how great was Jeff Bridges' line? Um, Hold still, you little prick. Yes, (laughs) Jeff Bridges is so good. He played that perfectly. You're you're a golden goose, and I just got one more egg to take from you. Like all these lines, just bitter. You know. Well, and he knew Howard, so he knew um, uh, Tony his entire life. So, like, he probably didn't like him ever. But how does that come up in conversation? So it's just like you little prick. Like all the shit had to do for you. Yeah. Break. Yes. Uh, when he when he pulled the, the 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 reactor out of his chest, he says, "Like I've been I've been propping you up for thirty years." 
right. the, the bitterness. Mm-hmm. Well, and mm-hmm. he, what, what does he say? He's like, this is your magnum opus. This is your Beethoven's ninth. This is your ninth right? symphony. Yeah. yeah, your ninth symphony. This, this is your masterpiece. Yeah. There, there's a lot of not even admiration, but yeah, just like and, hate. And again, that he says it's your ninth. That's that's another uh, solieri and like yeah. yeah, like another yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it really, really. It's the one that made Salieri want to kill himself. Um, but all right, so uh, right? wasn't that a laugh? <laughs> he tries to kill himself in that movie, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. Oh, now you're confusing Mozart. Yeah, and Mozart and Salieri, or Mozart and Beethoven, but yeah, yeah, but oh, yeah, Beethoven. But all right, so um, the next day at a press conference, uh, the press has named the unknown hero Iron Man. Coulson has arranged for an alibi for Tony. They're saying that Iron Man is his bodyguard. Uh, Tony and Pepper flirt a little. Doesn't go anywhere. I like that they didn't have like a big like kiss the girl moment saves the day thing. Um, Tony gets in front of the press and at the last moment decides to reveal himself proclaiming, I am Iron Man. This was improvised. It's so good. This was not written in the script. The script was for him to say the thing that Coulson read to him. Mm. And Robert Downey Jr. supposedly is the one who's like, why don't I just say that I'm Iron Man? Yeah. I'm, and they like changed everything. Changed everything. In yeah, retrospect, everything. it's so good. It's it's literally the it's literally um the phrase from the song, I am yeah. Iron Man. Um it's it it completely twists the movie on its head um it's just it, it's him coming into his own like there's it's just perfect it is so it good changed right? superhero movies he's the first I, that i can think of are there any other superheroes that we can think of that didn't have a secret identity by the end of their first movie howard the duck no howard the <laughs> duck well he was always you know howard and Batman yeah. almost did in the Dark Knight, but Harvey gets up before he does and claims yeah. to be the yeah. Batman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when Bruce he, totally could have said that was me. Like he went down there. <laughs> I'm Batman, and so is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was standing up and saying it. When he <laughs> when he says I am Iron Man, everybody jumps up out of their seat except for Christine Everhart. Yeah. Yep. Well, and this I, is I don't know one if of those. She just figured it out. I mean, it's so obvious. Well, because she's the one who's giving him shit. Like, are we supposed to believe that this is your bodyguard? Really? Like, I've been to your house, dude. Yeah, exactly. Your house is so technologically advanced. Um, I love the quick cut at the very end. I am Iron Man. Boom, bump, bump, bump. Like, the music in the credits. I just remember that in the theater being like, I want so much more of this. Are you kidding me? It was so good. They gave us so much while leaving us in anticipation of where we were going. If this had been the only movie, people would be like clamoring for someone to pick this back up. Yeah. Right. So a couple, um, they, they, two pilots in the jets were called Whiplash 1, Whiplash 2. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if it was intentional, but the villain of Whiplash appears. Yeah. In, yeah. Iron Man 2. Um, uh, Vanko. Well, and the, the joke that Tony says to Rhodey in the, on, in the hangar when they're in front of all the other airmen says uh-huh. like, oh, what was his name? Ivan. So that's another. Yeah. So, um, all right, we get the credits. 
Then we get our very first MCU after credits sequence. Yep. Um, I like that. I like that they like put it at the very end. Yeah, not a mid. Well, they, they made they made you sit through the entire credit <coughs> sequence. It wasn't a mid credit yeah. cut. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so, somewhere around. I like the, somewhere I think around. I missed it, the, my first theater viewing too. I think my second theater viewing. I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> They're making sequels? Yeah." Um, this is before the like internet telling us everything and everybody discussing it. I have a story about no, that. No, well, no. I was just going to say somewhere around um, phase two ish, they started doing a mid credits and a post credits. Yeah. Right. Right. It was, it was like post Avengers. Uh, I'm not sure. Andrea remembers this story. It might have been Josh and Jared, but I think it was Josh and I where we had seen this at the drive-in actually and left before all the credits were over, but our radio was still hooked up, you know? So we're getting gas like half a block away. All of a sudden we hear Samuel Jackson's voice and that little conversation. We're like, what the fuck? There's more. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Had we seen a post-credit scene before this? Yes. X-Men. Yes, not like not I think like, X Men was the only ones, right? Um, no, there was a uh, um, Constantine had one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they they weren't like this. They weren't like something that like blew the You're audience part away. Of their world no, kind of thing. Yeah, furthered the story. Furthered yeah. yeah. the story. Usually, it's a payoff for the movie you just watched. Well, the, yeah. The the Marvel did such a good job. Of, I don't want to say retconning, but using what they did. There's a there's a comic book run that happens from this movie up till uh, something else. I forget. But Fury's big week is what they call it, and they follow Nick Fury through the events between these movies. And uh, I don't think it starts with this one. I think it starts with Iron Man two. But that's what that makes me think of. Is like they have all this connective tissue that they just don't show us. It's like Star Wars. Yeah. It's like you just pick back up with the heroes wherever the shit is happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. So in what is the the credit se- end credit sequence? Tony arrives home. He finds someone in the dark waiting for him. It's Nick Fury, who tells Tony Stark he's not the only superhero in the world, and he's there to talk to Tony about the Avenger Initiative. Already mentioned, he says the word. Avenger Initiative on yeah. screen. Captain America to come, Thor to come. It was so yeah, we, we've got Cap. We've got Captain Marvel at large in this universe. Uh, oh, yeah, The Hulk doesn't exist yet. Yeah, chronologically. will in like five days. Yeah. Um, well, chronologically, there, there's, if I remember correctly, and we'll find this out in a few months, um, there's, there's scenes in the Hulk where they reference things that are concurrently happening in Iron Man, oh, yeah, they're happening. So Hulk is chronologically happening at the same time, simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Hulk, and well, and and also, I mean, if we're looking back in the the Marvel right. history after the fact, Ant Man, Ant Man's real. Yeah, he's Wait. not doing anything. Oh, um, Ant Man exists. Michael Douglas, Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. His mm. wife is already trapped in the mm. the quantum universe or the quantum realm. Yeah, it, it's interesting that they were able to then go back and pad their mm-hmm. their universe out with all these characters by writing historical events that led to this. Yeah, particularly but, Captain America no, waking up but in it, it, 2010. So, um, I don't know. We talked about this a lot. I think it's time to go ahead and uh, rank this thing. You guys ready? 
Are we ready? It's so I, good. Cheeseburger I, first. I need a cheeseburger first. <laughs> I know I know what I'm putting this at if I have a vote. This isn't the best out of Are everything. you putting it you're putting in number one? My vote is for number one. I think this is better than Batman and Superman. Um, um every such a solid movie. Let's see. So, all right. At number one, we've got Batman Begins, then Batman 89, then Spider-Man 2, then Spider-Man. I agree with Brian. I think it's the best we've seen so far. Josh? Yeah. So, number one, I would have said, I thought I was going to say number two, but yeah, I'd be happy with number one. All right. Al, you were were you on board with number one? I'm, I'm on board because it was, it was so not clunky and just, right. it made me laugh and smile throughout um it wasn't aggravating <laughs> i think this is a slicker movie than batman begins is i think this movie does the comic book world a better justice on screen it than abs- Batman. it absolutely does comic books better than batman begins yeah. does yeah batman yeah. begins might be a better drama action film you know but this is a better comic book movie by far i think absolutely yeah. it'll be it's hard to compete with even the the other movies that came after it so all right, we're doing it then. We're putting Iron Man at number one on our big list. Right there we go. Um, and that means we are done with Iron Man. And next week, we are going to watch our 74th movie, Jumper. Ooh, this has uh, Darth Vader in it, doesn't it? It does. Hayden Christensen. Jumper with yeah. Hayden Christensen. So um, that should be fun. Um so thanks for listening everybody (laughs) thanks for watching everybody and uh, let's uh, face it this is not the worst thing you've ever caught me doing this has been your host Thoreau Smiley I'm Josh TC I'm starting off at 1% capacity just the way she likes it I'm Brian Lesh and I'm going to go eat that cheeseburger I left in my jacket pocket (laughs) I'm Allard Weber and I'll ride in the humdrum V <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, Bye guys.